Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 95, A Shy Where the Shadows Lie. I'm Scatty and with me as always is my buddy Matt and a special guest who we'll introduce in a moment. What? We're going to make her wait? Him or we're gonna her? Make, we're we're, we're, we're going to make her wait for a minute. Okay. Guys. Let's see, see how long she can be quiet. <laughs> if that doesn't give you a hint of who it is, then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh the coverage begins of the world of ice and fire, and in typical Davos Fingarian fashion, we're starting at the end. We are doing what we want, uh, covering the world of ice and fire until further notice, handpicking the things we want to talk about in this book as we continue the trudging migration towards the winds of winter. So last episode, we said we were going to focus on the chapter called The Bones and Beyond. When we really dug into that chapter, we realized it's pretty dang short, right, Scatty? So uh, we tacked on a little bit more before Bonus that. coverage. You know? So we're now starting at the, uh, the section heading called The Shivering Sea. That's on page 294 of the book. And then continuing through the end of the book. Uh, which is page 309. So start at the Shivering Sea, and then we'll go from there. That's right. Okay, okay. Also, this episode, just because it's uh, areas where most of the action of the books does not take place, you're going to kind of need a map, like regularly. And what kind of sucks is that a lot of the maps out there are kind of incomplete because people made them years and years ago before we had the World Wise and Fire, before we knew a lot of these things. Um, So... You know, you can't really see the maps in the books of most of a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. But uh, you're going to hear Sock and Sus Mapas a lot from Miss Thurman, my Spanish teacher in middle school. Um, hopefully you've got a map. We have a few that we usually use, Quartermaster.info and Galanix maps, but they both stop at the bones. And so they won't really help here. Uh, Michael Klarfeld has some great maps. If you've oh, never been to ever. his site, mm-hmm. you should definitely go. It's uh, Claradox, K-L-A-R-A-D-O-X, Claradox.de. Uh, and you can get previews of the maps there. And you can even print them out because he's awesome. Uh, I recommend you pay him. You can do like a donation or you can actually buy copies of the map. Anyway, they are amazing. Pay they're, these they're, artists. Yeah, pay the artists. They should get paid. But uh, go. you can go there. He's got He's got the full maps. Uh, and they're fantastic. Uh, highly recommend them. But you're going to need a map, guys. Find one that you trust. Matt and I both have the Lands of Ice and Fire. That's what we're using. They're pretty good, although... We'll talk in this episode about how they're not perfect. Also. And they're just unwieldy. I've got them like spread out around my yeah. desk all over the place. Uh, I ripped one this week. Damn. I ripped mine too! My known yeah. world map. Damn. I think we did it at the same time, like Freaky Friday, and then we switched lives. I bet we did. I bet we did. Anyway, what are we covering? Next week, next episode, we're covering Beyond the Free Cities, which is also part of the World of Ice and Fire. It's pages 277 through 293. And after that... We're going to cover the rest of Essos, pages 251 through 276. So again, kind of going backwards a little bit. Yep. Uh, and after that, we'll see, Colossar. Just give us a minute. Maybe we'll have wins by then. Who knows? <laughs> you know how we roll. Uh, guys, do you know what what the date is right now? It is, well, for us, it's February 21st. By the time you're listening to this, it's either, oh, Scott, I just realized this. They're going to get yeah. this episode on yeah. Davos Fingers uh, on Song of Madness Eve. Yes. So the public yes. release of this episode will be March 2nd, which means, yes. guys, sleep tight tonight. 
tuck yourselves in, take your melatonin or whatever, and get a good night's rest because battle commences in the morning. March third yeah. begins a song of madness. The song Death, of madness. Destruction, misery, woe, eternal pain. regret. The pain. Yep. Yeah. yeah, enjoy. Uh we got a, a couple a couple uh little little tricks up our sleeve this year. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um but it's it's starting right away. And lastly, moving on from our uh, sort of from a song of madness. And most importantly, mm. we have with us today a special guest, Chloe from Girls Gone Canon. You may know her as Liza Arbor Gold, the Queen of Lovely Booty on Twitter, or maybe even from Ice and Firecon, where she serves as the Mistress of Whispers and basically does uh, on the small council and basically does everything uh, that she can to help out there. Um, Chloe, you're going to join us for a bit of fun I really tonight. Resent. I resent that you said that. I wouldn't be quiet, Matt. That was really... I stayed quiet most of that time. You did a really good job. And I was I making said that with all Thank the you. love in my heart. <laughs> Thank you for having me, you guys. It's been like six months since we've recorded it something. Has. I haven't seen you guys since uh, since John Snow. I know. John Snow at Girls Gone Those Cannon. were so fun. I still think about those episodes. <laughs> we had so much fun, and I love that this time... Uh, you guys are separating us because Eliana is not here. It is just me. Yes, yeah, so because we did keep you guys. <laughs> I am. Uh, she's kind of out of town right now, so I am cheating on her on podcasts. I'm going all around. I'm sorry, Eliana. Yeah. How does it feel? Do you feel free? I feel a little free. The guilt hasn't set in yet. I think like right when she's on the plane home, I'll start feeling yeah. the guilt. But for yeah. for now, I mean, I'm passionate about Ib tonight that's what i'm here i'm here for that i'm glad and someone I'm... is <laughs> uh well it's me right yeah, now you just whale. feel alive man you just i feel, feel chloe alive. like chloe i feel like you can bring the passion for whatever topic is <laughs> du jour yes i i got there i had to get excited about it i mean i i'm, I'm pretty passionate the last uh God, last year, Ice and Fire Con. I'm so excited that I will see you, Scat. I know, Matt, it sounds like you are not attending. I'm not. Right? Mm-hmm. Very yep. sad. Yep. You're going to miss out What's on a lot. What's even the point of this podcast? Especially, Don't wait, you didn't get to meet Katrina, you. did you? Because she wasn't there last year. Nope. Katrina. You're on opposite years. And Zach, too? Because Zach, yep. well, Zach, Zach will be back. It's not like I don't time. want to go, okay, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Give We're just trying to rub it in, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys at home listening tonight on your Madness Eve, on the Eve of Madness, the Eve of War, and you aren't going to Ice and Fire Con, well, then you're going to be like Matt. Do you want to be like Matt or do you want to be like Scat? I am the cautionary tale of life, pretty much. (laughs) You can be like Scat and you can be with Scat. Not that it's a huge reward or anything, but we have a lot of fun. It is. And yes. No, not just... Last year, you guys were what strumming guitar so late in the lobby Thursday night, just hanging out, mm-hmm. hanging out heavenly. with your Kalisar. It, was, it was very sweet, actually. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it was one of those moments. So through the weekend, I get really busy at Ice and Fire Con. Obviously, I, I sometimes you'll see me, sometimes you won't. I'll be one place, I'll be another, whatever. <laughs> it's magic. But uh, you guys were just sitting there, and it was this beautiful, serene scape of a moment of just like. All these friends hanging out, laughing, smiling, joking, listening to the guitar play. It was like a, what a beautiful picturesque moment. It really was. It was like everything that I envisioned like Davos Fingers culture being is that right there. Yeah. 
sitting around talking with friends, uh, and you know it was almost fortuitous a little bit because the the weather is kind of what caused part of that is that it was so the you know it rained <laughs> that night. I think that was Friday night that it, it rained was, so bad. Uh, it was Thursday because it was before Skelly. Oh yeah. That is and well, I guess I we know. had just got you and I. I guess had just got done with the rehearsal for. We did it oh, two nights. Musical. We did it for, for two musical. nights. Yeah, you did it two nights. Yeah. That's what it was. Well, the Thursday night we had done musical rehearsal because yeah. Scat and I did Westeros and American musical. God, that's so amazing. Uh, if you haven't watched oh that God. yet, by the way, go watch it. It's freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, it's got some good moments. Uh, some good night to you too is the best thing I've ever heard. Mm. That's uh, honestly Scat and I were showstoppers in this we musical. I'm not trying to brag, but we were. <laughs> I've never like, been more dude, proud. We nailed that fucking hairnet. We na- you were on it, and Scad and I practiced him putting a hairnet on me for like at least twenty-seven minutes, or seconds, or seconds. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it felt like minutes. Uh, that night, after the rehearsal, we went and like back to the room. Every Thursday night, Ice and Firecon, there's an unofficial party at the cabins called Skelly, uh, named for the Skelly tequila. If you've ever seen it, the skeleton bottle tequila, uh, House Skelly. It's become it's become really a tradition. And Thursday night, it was just pouring rain. You guys were all playing guitar. And we came out after the musical rehearsal and like got ready to go. Came out to go to the cabin parties. And it's like torrential rain. Yeah. Like we're talking like Skagosi torrents going on out there. Like how are we going to get all the way to these cabins a quarter or so mile away? I even saw a unicorn goat. I did see a unicorn goat. And it was huge and fluffy. And I loved it. Oh, I missed it. Freaking loved uh, it. Well, there are no you guys didn't go with me, though. We, we lied about that part. Sorry. Yeah, no. Well, you would have seen it if you went with me. I tried to convince you guys. I gave a very inspiring speech. I was like, no chance, no choice. <laughs> We're going to the cabins. Like, this is Skelly Night. Like, you don't do Ice and Firecon and just not go to Skelly Night. A little rain's going to stop you? No, it didn't. Well, for you it, guys. It, it did. did. Not for me. <laughs> I think at that point I played a D minor chord in protest and <laughs> turned away. It's okay. Halfway through the walk, everybody that somehow came with me, because I did gather a crowd of people. Like I had like yeah. a good crowd that was like, I'll go. People stood up ready Doesn't to go. And they're like, like yeah. Probably. And <laughs> we get halfway there and it's pouring and they're all like, why did we follow you? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Should have stayed with you guys. Like a brotherhood without banners, Dondarian. Why are we here yeah. again? Wait, what are we doing? No one knows. What? Who's Ned? <laughs> what? He was on the throne for a day, and we went out here. And of course, we have. There's karaoke there. We had a, a karaoke night. Matt yeah. convinced me to sing "Summer Lovin'," probably <laughs> up there with the biggest mistake of our lives. Uh, you guys were really happy, though. It was, like, such a joyous... Like, it, we were coming off of the musicals, so we had endorphins. Obviously, I we was just performed great. all... Yeah, yeah, I was feeling like I was on top of the world. And Matt was beaming at you with pride for two hours. So, I mean, also beautiful, you know? And <laughs> That's how we always uh, you guys just, like, had... A, it seems like you may have had a drink, maybe, imbibed in a drink. Uh, you guys were, like, just so content and beautiful together. And I captured the whole thing. I have it on my cell phone. <laughs> I mean burn it but uh matt was high on life because that's all matt gets high on and right. i think that's a testament if nothing else uh to the that might make the it con. worse actually now that you see <laughs> he 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 was so happy and so in the moment that he seemed uh, drunk i was like scott we gotta go man we gotta go up there we gotta go up there <laughs> and he's like uh and i've said this before about the karaoke at the con but like Karaoke sometimes comes with a, a, a level of judgment. I've never felt that way. At the no, time. never. 
it's so open and available to everyone that like no one's judging anybody they're just cheering everyone wants everyone to succeed i'm tearing up over here because (laughs) the judgment in karaoke is it just goes too far everywhere i've been out but it's Ice supposed to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It is the best place. You know, dude, I, I mean, every year it's like I, I just get this moment of pride where I can look out, you know, at everything. Just yeah. like watch everyone like George Washington and Hamilton when he's so proud. Just looking out at the legacy he's built. And I'm like, man, these nerds are great. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, Chloe, seriously, the, the, the thing that I can say about Ice and Firecon, the, the thing that mo- impressed me most is when I realized, and it was during karaoke that it hit me. It was in the early stages of karaoke before it got really wild. Was that this place right here is the, the capital T H E safe space for so many people that attend Ice and FireCon. It is the place where they go to feel safe, feel like they belong, and where they can feel loved and completely unjudged. And that's the magic of Ice and FireCon. That's why I loved it so much. Yeah. It is. It is. Agreed. My first time, I was so scared. Like, I. Uh, I saw on Tumblr, uh, there was an ASWAF cosplay tag, and I liked costuming. I had gone to a lot of other nerd conventions, really into sci-fi and fantasy already, and I would just gotten into Game of Thrones in, like, 2013, 2012-ish. So 2015, I saw on Tumblr, like, oh, my God, there's a convention. I asked my good friend Elena that you guys know. She's been on before I know. She has. Uh, yeah. yeah, I asked her, will you go with me, like, as a late birthday present? Because it's in April. I have an April birthday and it's last weekend in April usually. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'll go. I like A Song of Ice and Fire. Let's go. So we got our outfits and we got all together. We showed up. We knew no one. Like, we just showed up. And by the end of the weekend, we had, like, a mini new family of friends mm-hmm. and, like, buddies. And, I mean, I won't go into detail because you guys know. But, I mean, I met my fiancé there. Uh, I've met some of my best friends there. I got to meet my podcast uh, partner there. I mean, it's just like a really magical place with magical people. I mean, I guess anywhere you go, you'll find good people and you'll find bad people, right? I'm not saying that I'm sure there aren't a couple eggs that maybe could be cracked, but um, <laughs> gotta break a few egg-ons to make an omelet, you know? But um, Several, in the I case of the Bulgarians. And the omelet doesn't even taste good, in their case. Yeah, I mean, if you put it in bread, it does, but... Here's what I'll say about Isom Firecon that, that I'll just add on to your story a, a little bit is that yes, you can find great people anywhere, but usually to do it, you have to be open to it. And the thing that Ice and Firecon somehow does organically, naturally, is it makes you feel open to being yourself, which is the only way you find those things you're talking about. Because otherwise, it's not it's not genuine. And so I don't know how Ice and Firecon does it, but it, it does. Everyone feels, I mean, I shouldn't speak for everyone. It seems like everyone feels comfortable being themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a very safe place to just be who you want to yeah. be and hang out with and appreciate stories and characters. And I mean, the D and D crew, uh, the D and D groups, you go, you all to get together and play D and D during the weekend and actually like specifically chart out in couple hours that you want to get together and do a game that you've talked about for months before the con. These people that see each other annually, you know, at this convention. I mean, yeah. seeing some of these friendships and people like that are reunited the first day when you get in at the con is like. Oh my god, tears in your eyes. Like, I can't believe we're here seeing our best <laughs> friends again. Uh, and it's the best part of every year, really. <laughs> but it's a really cool feeling to just be there, see the people, meet people. I mean, I don't 
everyone's almost everyone I meet there is open to meeting other people and being like, oh, that's so cool. Were you just you guys just talking about this? Do you mind if I come sit with you? Um, it's a safe place to just like, yep, be yeah. yourself and be a nerd. Yep, yeah. So, so you convinced you convinced a lot of people tonight, Chloe. I know it. We the three of us did. So, where would you? Uh, where should they go to find out uh, the particulars and and start getting more information so they can book their book their stuff? Yeah, well, uh, tickets did just go up. I know you guys have a ticket code at our website, iceandfirecon.com. Fingers. Mm. So if you guys get fingered at iceandfirecon.com, fuck, I can't say that. If you, you can. Guys... We do it all the time. You absolutely can say that. We, we have an entire version of the show called Films Get Fingered. Tara, don't listen to this. Um, if you guys go to iceandfirecon.com, you'll get a bunch more details, like the date. Uh, it's April 23rd through 26th. Am I making that up? That's right. It's April 23rd through 26th this year. Last weekend there in April uh, in Mount Sterling, Ohio at Deer Creek State Lodge, State Park Lodge. It's beautiful in a state park. Mm, about 30 minutes gravy. from an airport. So uh, and Yeah, if you go on the website, go to the store, type in fingers, get fingered in the store when you check out, and uh, you'll get five bucks off. Yeah. That's right. Unfortunately, this episode's going to release right after the price went up, so make sure to use that code to get the $5 back off, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's booking for the lodging there. There's a lodge on site. You want to stay on site, man. You don't want to go anywhere else, you don't. Full a lot show. of people are like, should I camp nearby because it's in a beautiful state park? And if that's something you're really, really into, go for it, but just know... Uh, the, it's a very remote kind of location. We only do them at cool places like that. We, we're not going to like corporate it. We want it to be a really special event at a special naturey place. You know, evoke the feeling like you're in the woods in a song of ice and fire. And also, I'm just going to throw this out there again because I did it last year and no one took me up on it, so I feel safe doing it again. Uh, since we're getting this this out to you again a little bit late and the price will have gone up, I will buy you a drink at the con. Just approach me and say, hey, Scad, buy me a drink and I'll do it. Nobody took me up on it last year. Take I'm gonna me up take on you it. up on it. I, you don't count. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, buy, oh, I'll buy you a drink. Oh. Anyway. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's get to the episode. Let's cover yeah. some Song of Ice and Fire for those that are already ticketed and like, come on, guys. I'm already going. Blood Riders, this is a weird episode. Uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of shit. Uh, Shy by the Shadow, man. Like, all sorts of things, but there's no summary because we've never covered anything like this before. It's not like we're moving from, you know, progressively through a story here. This is new content uh, that we haven't really even touched anywhere close. So there's no summary, which we usually give. Uh, we might talk about anything, even Benjamin being from a shy, maybe, or something. Moonboy, for all we know. So be ready. Everything yeah. goes. And as always, you know, part of what makes Davos Fingers Davos Fingers is our relationship with you guys. So if you want to talk to us about a future episode, ask questions, you call us names, all that good stuff, find us at DavosFingers.com. Our email address is WeAreDavosFingers at gmail.com. You know our Twitter handle, at DavosFingers. Get ready for the madness. Um, we are on Facebook, and our Patreon program, if you'd like to learn more about that, is at Patreon.com slash DavosFingers. That's right. Let's dive in, Kalasar. Like I said, no summary, so we're just going to dive right into the first section here. The Shivering Sea and Matt has our summary. But first, here's a quote. Beyond them, sailors tell us blizzards rage eternally, and the very mountains themselves scream like madmen in the night. Oh, your daddy's kind of scared. 
this, the world of ice and fire is written from the perspective of one Maester Yandel, right? He says, the Shivering Sea is basically this great big blue ocean north of Essos, northeast of Westeros. Pull out your map, Sock and Seuss Mappas. Look, if you're looking at a map of the known world, just look up. Look towards the top. And there's the Shivering Sea. All right? Huge. Big. massive. Blue. Cold. Who the fuck even knows what lies to the west of it? Or, or east of it. No one has voyaged past. Wait, never eat soggy waffles. Yes, east of it. No one's voyaged east past the Thousand Islands and lived to tell the tale. The Thousand Islands are there towards the end. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Um, can you hear my maps rustling in the background? Yeah, dude, I I taped mine up on my desk. Are you looking at them temporarily for the recording of the episode? It's it's actually pretty impressive. Good idea. I have like these floating shelves in front of me, so I can't really tape them. But oh, like it. Doctor Strange or something. That's cool. Dang it! Floating shelves. I'm looking at. Let's a, move on. I'm looking at a bust of Joseph Smith and a Whoa. Lego Y-wing right now. <clears throat> yeah, Those things go office. together. They do in your Matt Thacker. Uh, anyways, where were we? No, no one's even had any luck too far north of this as well, where lies what's called the White Waste. Um, as much as many would try to sail up and over the top of the planet, if this planet is indeed round, no one has made it past the inhospitable winds, frozen seas, and mountains of ice that lie waiting in this white waste to the north. The mystery of all of this, of this white waste, breeds many an enchanting tall tale of what lies in this great frozen north. As Yandel says, queer lights shimmering in the sky where the mother of ice giants lures men to their doom. Or there's tales of one cannibal bay where ships were trapped in ice hundreds of years ago and whose inhabitants now, the descendants of those original sailors who were trapped, actually feed upon the flesh of the newly trapped. And so they're able to continue living on in this ice place uh there's tales of pale blue mists that move across the waters and freeze anything they touch of drowned spirits who rise at night to drag the living down with them mermaids ice dragons you guys with pale blue crystal eyes that breathe cold instead of fire of these, uh, many have reported sightings, but no actual proof has been preserved of ice dragons as they apparently melt when they are slain. Anyways, despite these tales of the less than living, the Shivering Sea itself is teeming with life, from the smallest fish to the largest whales, and is the, the, the sea itself is the riching fi- richest fishing grounds in the known world. Boats from all over come to fish its waters. Um, Bravos controls some of these waters, uh, Lorath as well. Um, and then you've got some other cities that lie along the coast. You've got Soth, Morosh, Omber, but they're, uh, they're, they're kind of of lesser consequence. But that in itself is the Shivering Sea. What do you guys think of, of this big, wide, blue expanse? Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's bullshit, most of it. I really? Mean, really? It, well, Scott. it sounds like it's 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 uh you know it's kids' tales. It sounds like most of it, and uh, you know this is a world of magic, and 
giants and you know children and things like that and by i mean you know magical children not actual children of course those exist but uh, you know a lot of these stories they just sound like stories ice dragons mm, i don't know you know these these uh people that get trapped and then live on for centuries for some reason they mutate into things that can live on for hundreds of years or whatever feeding on the flesh of other people that get trapped in this massive expansive sea which i mean it would almost never happen right they're stories no? I think some of them are. Uh, George has made pretty pretty strong comments about it, too. Like, back when The Lands of Ice and Fire, I know you guys were just talking about it briefly, when it was published, he had posted on LiveJournal, uh, he had said that while maesters know more about Ashai and the lands beyond than a medieval monk might know about Cathay, distance remains a factor, and past a certain point, legends and myths will creep mm-hmm. here, here be winged men and such. Uh, yeah. I think that's a strong point to remember that this is Maester Yandel, and there is a certain amount of schooling. I mean, think of what what we go to school in America and we were taught as kids is obviously not always 100% true, right? What? Uh, history is... I 110% right? true. What? The government would never lie, you guys. And now I'm deleting all my history and logging off. Have a great day. No, uh, <laughs> but it, it's definitely from that perspective. So I think... You have to take it with a grain of salt, no matter what you do. But at the same time, it's like Daenerys just birthed dragons. Yeah, right. so, exactly. What yeah. the hell is possible? Like, there's ice zombies. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so you mentioned Daenerys dragons, and I don't have this in my notes, so we're just riffing now. But, uh, you know, it's it's been made a point by many people covering this series that it feels like dragons come from some sort of magic some sort of ritual or some sort of circumstances have to be present for them to appear and or, or you know to 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 hatch from to hatch from these eggs right and so the idea of ice dragons just being up there now maybe there are some sort of valyrian race up there that are also creating magic and bonding with the eggs just like the valyrians do but it just feels it, it feels like a stretch to just think they're out there living and breeding and hatching when the rules and i have air quotes because george is shitty with rules but the rules that george has given us indicate that there's got to be some sort of special circumstances to get them out right well that's interesting because i think we'll get to it later maybe when we start talking about the great empire of the dawn and stuff and et but there's the idea that you know valerians weren't the first dragon riders so there could be ways that valerians do it did it that, that were different. I, I did think it was interesting that these sailors, the, they said that there's hundreds of reports of sailors seeing these ice dragons, but and they were able to give details, though. They were able to mention the blue eyes, who, of course, reminiscent of the others. And I thought mm. that was interesting, right, that they would be able to point out that detail. And we, as the readers, can make the connection between, because we know the legend of the others over in Westeros and can connect it to these ice dragons up in the White Waste, but would they have been able to make that connection? Would they have been able to go conjure up this tall tale of ice dragons with blue eyes? Well, there's a lot at play with the ice dragons, right? So obviously we have Jon Snow in his early chapters, I think in like Game of Thrones and Clash, talking about ice dragons that old Nan has obviously speak- spoken of. Uh-huh. And then there's also a little meta on George's writing in general. Have either of you read his story ice dragon 
Nope. No. So here's his, some. His, buckle up, guys. I got, I got something good. Got I'm opening the oven. It's coming out. Um, so Ice Dragon, the story on Ice Dragon, the whole plot basically is no, no big spoilers, but the main character is attracted to the cold. Her skin's always cold, and she's a, quote, winter child. Mm. And the story ends with the Ice Dragon defeating five fiery dragons of the north. And then the ice dragon disappears. A pond appears that wasn't really there. The waters are cold. And that also kind of sounds like a pond appearing out of nowhere that's really cold, like the Shivering Sea. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the book, the main character is no longer a winter child, and her touch is warm enough and melts the yearly ice lizards. Mm -hmm. So I think the way and the manner that the ice dragons melt, and the bigger meta is that publishers kept saying that, like, this story was part of the world of ice and fire or in the mm-hmm. same universe. And George was like, uh, no, the world of ice and fire didn't exist when I wrote that story. So a little bit the other way around, but they melt when they're slain kind of like the others. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that whole also, point about also, the white though, waste receding during the summer and expanding during the winter. Yeah. Uh, it's also just like, that's uh, funny. I, I read the, melt when they're slain differently i'm i read that as a nod from george like yeah no one's ever no one can ever prove it because they don't exist they melt away because it's the last sentence of the paragraph where they talk about it and they say let us put aside such fancies i read it as like oh he's just saying yeah no they melt away so no one can ever prove it they don't exist it's kind of like mushroom, right? Like, how much do I effing believe of this little shit? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> my rule of thumb for this book is whenever the maester says, let us put aside such fancies and return to fact, then I switch it. <laughs> okay, okay so that's yeah. true. Okay, yep. so you guys have convinced me a little bit. So what we have here is a whole section of, of paragraphs that are dealing with, you know, dark mermaids, uh, you know, these cannibals that live on frozen ships and stuff. And then mm-hmm. we talk about dragons. So, like, George pretty frequently does hide little nuggets of, of reality and truth within a bunch of garbage. You see that with uh, with Varys and stuff sometimes in his reports and things like that. Um, maybe the ice dragons are real and the rest of the stories are garbage. Maybe. But I think most of the stories are garbage. Yeah. Or maybe they're a factor of you know, uh, environmentally different long night. I mean, the thing that seems to be true about this is that at one point, and we're going to get into the children of the forest in a little bit, because I have some stuff to say when we get closer to Ib here, but uh, it seems like history repeats all over the globe. There's a lot of parallels we're going to talk about with these places and some of the stuff George has written in, even just in the other continent in Westeros. Uh, So I think there's a lot of sandbox going on, like in fire and blood, for example, there's a lot of sandbox playing. You see the same scenario played out again, just in a different environment with like a tweak. And uh, a lot of this seems similar. And it almost makes me wonder if, since Essos is a little bit Southern, uh, they're experiencing a lot of, they or they have experienced a lot of the same stuff Westeros does. That's a really good point. And, uh, you know, with that, I was I was thinking about this as well, that we've got all this stuff now in the world of Ice and Fire where George did all this world building. And it's like, why would he do this? Is is all of a sudden Masovi or Kakayanaya or whatever that place is called or the Jogos Nai, are they going to somehow have an impact on the story? And so George is giving us some history on it now in order to prepare us. 
and no, I don't think so. I, yeah. I don't think so. But I do think what he's trying to do is exactly what you're saying, Chloe, which is to provide parallels and clues through those parallels uh, to allow us to to pick up on certain things. And, and I talk about this with Scott all the time that I'm, I'm going to love going back to this text at the once we have all of the books. Uh, of a song of ice and fire proper and going oh this is the foreshadowing george wanted us to see or this is the clue he was giving us with the shadowlands and stuff like that um but yeah i think that's kind of the point of all of this and it's really interesting to pick out and try to find those little clues and identify what's relevant and what might not be yeah i i have i have a similar point later matt where i'm just like you guys are gonna hate this but i'm gonna ask why a lot in this episode Mm -hmm. it's like why are why are they giving us this Right. What is the reason? It's like money. Like we talked about this with Fire and Blood too, Matt, right? It's like, why did he give us all this information? It's like, well, with Fire and Blood, it's very historically relevant because it it can create themes ahead of time that now you can see later since, you know, in our world later. Right. He's backfilling kind of. He's backfilling a little bit and, and filling it with themes that you can see present in the main series. And that's interesting. And he can even foreshadow things that he hasn't written yet, maybe as well. And so looking for those hints, like you said, is, is very fun. With this, it's different because we're never going to see most of this stuff. And so you're right. Finding those nuggets is very interesting. You always have to ask, why? Why Mm -hmm. is he writing all this stuff? Yep. And the cynic in you and I. Sometimes I think, well, yeah, very cynical. But sometimes I think like that... that that his co-writers Linda and uh, and Elio just kind of pulled things out of a hat, you know, like let's do this. I'm sure, I mean I'm sure it was more planned than that, right? But like, like does a lot of this even matter? Not sure. Yeah, I have some off the record opinions that we will totally share sometime. I'm sure. Maybe Scad and I will uh, throw one back and chat about it at Ice and FireCon. But I think it's important to remember that. Uh, yes, George is involved with this book, but yes. it's kind of like the Ice and Fire app, right? Like, yeah, same with the World of Ice and Fire app. That is technically canon. Like, he waved a hand and said, yes, sure, that sounds right. I would write that. But he wasn't the main writing force. A lot of this is pieced together notes, stuff mm-hmm. that he wrote in notebooks that, well, the other co-writers may have, you know, formed a little bit more, added a few words, made it complete sentences, uh, there's a bunch of stuff in this he took from his notes and reworked into Fire and Blood. Right. I think a lot of it is, I mean, it's his sandbox. It's his way to, because let's be real, art's hard. We know art is hard. We know writing is hard. And I know I've started is five hard. novels. Started, he said. Started. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so I don't, I'm not one of the people that really wants to even think about knocking George for T-Wow because when I think about all the work we as a fandom do trying to piece together aha this is the thing that's going to happen because of this right. thing they said on this page um, yes that is a result of the time we've had to wait for the book but at the same time it's a result of I mean look at what that means for his writing he has to figure it out so a lot of this is sandbox play that he's figuring out and yes. putting notes down to play with later in the actual books and a lot of it is just him fucking off because this is what he can write. That's what yeah. he can do. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get it. I didn't you... mean to knock George, by the way. That's oh, no, I know. Right. Trust me. I, I Don't worry. I would tell you if you did. <laughs> I would be out there defending. I'm like, sirens going. Because it's hard, yeah. dude. And, like, maybe sometimes all you can write about is whale blubber and ib, okay? Like, maybe that's <laughs> it. Maybe that's your life. Maybe sealing someone's fate in the story is harder than that right now. Characters that you've grown to be with. So... 
I don't know. Uh, some of this, though, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay. And I think it's just stuff he had laying around and he wanted to flesh Thanks it out. A lot. Yeah, and there's and there's a hunger for it, right? Especially with there Game is. of Thrones. People want to know more about this world that George created. So why not put it out there? The cynics and Scat and I bring up the money sometimes. This is a money-making opportunity. And it is, but it also satiates our desire for more. And even if Lang never comes up in the main series, just having that knowledge kind of in the back of our heads as we're reading just helps the world feel more lived in, right? We can feel more of a part of it. How um, dare you slight Lang? I think a ship of Langy warriors, even though they're not a seafaring people, are going to show up at Slaver's Bay and turn the battle. All seven oh my god, you better settle down because Lang stan Twitter is coming for you. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to talk <laughs> about Lang and I've got a question about Lang when we get to them because I don't know why the heck never mind we'll right. wait till we everybody get to just it. everybody just settle down I feel like Chloe's getting us okay. a, a little ahead of where we need to be. You I blame asked you for Chloe me to be here. is there Chloe, anything else on the shivering sea this. I don't know I don't want I don't want to talk about anything no, else I mean I think we're gonna talk about more of it in regards to Ib and other places so. I, I just have one thing that that really belongs here and not anywhere else the world is round right maybe so how big? So is it, so like I've seen these <laughs> theories, right? Like that the lands of always winter actually like wrap around above the shivering sea and like right. come back and connect and everything. Like, is there anything to that? Uh, to my knowledge, George has denied that. He denied. has okay. refuted the claim. I will find you a link this eve after this. But from what I've read and what I recollect in my memory, be as it may, it may not be the best memory, but I'm stuck with it. I think he said no. Yeah, especially because uh, Essos is lower, like it's technically yes. supposed to be southern. So I don't know. I don't think it wraps around, but that does pose a good question. Like, is it flat? Is it round? What's the truth, George? Right. Well, it could be round, but like we're looking at one fiftieth of the area. I mean, like people tend to think of it in like Earth terms. Like it could just be a huge planet. That you well, know, the uh, Essos is the smallest, you know, or Westeros is the smallest of the continents. In right? like, uh, one of the other chapters, I can't remember which one of the World of Ice and Fire, but it talks about one of the dragon riders. Um, oh gosh, I can't even remember who it is, but she takes a dragon to see, she wants to sail to the far south of Sothorios. Yeah. And she goes for, she flies like straight for a day and a half or something like that. And it was a Genera, Genera Belarus. Genera, thank yes. you. And she never gets to the end, right? She ends up turning around and gives up. Yeah. So the the place is massive. Yeah. North, south, east, west. Yeah. Or and all she wanted to do was go to Jurassic Park. That's all she wanted to do. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> Let a girl go to Jurassic Park, okay? All right. That's all I wanted to get out is just that question. Uh, I'll just throw this out. Okay. Re remember the red fabric, the red fabric that Mance made his quilt out of, right? Or the, oh my that God, he sewed yes. into his cape, right? Mance Rhaegar. That was found yeah. in the hull of a crash ship from Ashai mm -hmm. on the west coast of Westeros. Mm -hmm. And the odds of that ship making the long journey all the way from Ashai, you know, past Lang and Great Morak and past Valyria and the Doom and all the way around the high towers at Old Town and all the way up there by the wall... It's a long friggin' way. Hmm. Maybe, like, maybe it was an ice giant delivering it. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe they went the other way. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I can see that. Well, and maybe maybe 
the people of that area know those secrets and it's yes. just the westerners that are ignorant idiots yep yeah, yeah. Itchits. that's a point i mean it could be that okay let's move on <laughs> chloe i always i always give scad like two seconds before he says you move on just to make sure he gets it all out so he might have one more. Life you hack. better wait. Life hack. Yep. You guys don't Life know. I have hack. like three. I have three more. I'm leaving them behind because I can tell everyone wants to move on. I'm leaving them behind for the group. For the group. I want you to feel fulfilled, Sked. I always do. You Matt, got more you want to say? Fulfilled. I want you to. I want you to say it. This life is is just empty. All right. Yes. If, take anything. The bone blubber and oil of the whales they hunt are Ib's chief stock in trade, and have made the port of Ibn the largest and richest city of the Shivering Sea. So, this section really just starts with a discussion of the people of Ib. The Ibanese have the they've been the most dominant force at the heart of the Shivering Sea. Uh, they're a short people. Uh, I can identify with that. Rarely standing over five and a half feet tall. They're broad, heavy, with thick legs. Is this an autobiography about me? <laughs> they're very hairy too. I think right? heavy with thick arms, mm-hmm. reasonably hairy. I mean, at the moment, at least. Uh, long arms. I don't have. Anyway, they're very strong with faces kind of like Neanderthals, big sloping brows, square teeth for mashing. Almost like a cartoon you can picture. They kind of look dumb, but they ain't. They're skilled too, especially on ships and, yeah, like you said, hairy, uh, like uh, everywhere. They're basically a different race, though. If you, I mean, if you want to put it in like our humanity terms, um, and, and by race, I don't mean the way we talk about race. I mean... Literally, they can't they can't breed with other with other humans in Planetos. Um, I don't know why what or why Germ put this in here, but you know they're different enough they can't have children with other Westerosi, which is interesting. Uh, they're a very private people, uh, and I will come back and touch on what I think that means for the world uh, afterward. But let's get through the summary first. They're a private people. Uh, the guests that dock uh, on Ib aren't really allowed access usually to the rest of the island. Uh, and those Ibanese that dock elsewhere, like the little Westeros or whatever, they don't usually partake in the local wares either. Like I said, very private. Ib itself, though, the island is big. It's the second biggest island in the known world behind Great Marak, which is down there uh, kind of near Lang, uh, below Essos. And it's very diverse. All types of, as, as you might expect with such a big place, all types of land, forests, rivers, mountains, everything. Uh, there are giants maybe there. Very rich in resources, gold and tin and amber and timber and all sorts of stuff. Mostly, though, they're known as fishermen and whalers. All the way down the narrow sea, they're you know the Ibanese are known for this. They build solid, sturdy ships to weather the um, weather and bring home the plunder of whale goods as their chief import export. The port of Ibn is cobbled and lit by lamps. It seems you know relatively civilized. Seems nice. Uh, Farib is the second largest city. It's 300 miles away and not, oh, no, 300 miles away and not nearly as flourishing as the port of Ibn, though. Uh, criminals were sent to Ibsar, which probably Sar, Sur, kind of means like Ib South, maybe. Um, and it still kind of has kind of a bad reputation there, Ibsar. They also expanded a little bit onto mainland Essos, displacing the people of the Ithakevron forest for a time. Uh, those people of the Ifekevron were silent, secret. They walked the woods. Um, not many people could see them easily. Kind of uh, little hints in there that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Anyway, the Ibanese easily displaced them. Um, and they built Ibish, 
which was a city there on, on one of the uh, peninsulas there. But maybe it wasn't such a good idea. They didn't last too long there. The Dothraki fucked them up pretty good. Uh, about the time Queen Alessand died, uh, most of the settlements of the Ibanese uh, were, were taken back on Essos. Um, the Ibanese refused to pay the Dothraki off, you know, to, to leave them in peace, and so they basically suffered mostly defeats in their battle against the Dothraki. Uh, they do retain one settlement called New Ibish, defended by a 250-foot-high wall that was all, that's almost as long as our wall, the, the ice wall. Um, and they kind of cling to this last vestige of their territory, but really clinging is all they're doing. It's, it's a sad place, and frankly, it's destined to, to be lost eventually, I think. It's kind of an interesting snapshot in, in time. Like, it's, it's going to go. And that's pretty much Ib. Tib. <laughs> How'd that's I sell it. it, Chloe? I think you did good as the resident Ib fangirl. Uh, I can tell you that it sounded good. Well, good. I, I'm really fascinated in, uh, in, in your Ib fangirlness. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, tell us about it. Actually, there is some, uh, some stuff rooted in it that we definitely would go into, but Ib is, I don't know. It's kind of like Finland, George has said, without Scandinavia <laughs> or like Iceland. And so I imagine it's mainland reference is something like the sisters for us Westerosi or, mm. uh, or a bit like in real life, uh, a New England city, right? That's what you're gonna feel like you're in, just like maybe a little more, uh, a little more rural. But... Except nobody's taller than the countertop. <laughs> right. We know they're like hairy and squat. It's likely they wear whale skin jackets too, instead of seal skins. We often see worn from people from like the sisters or right. people in the north, since whale is that trading commodity. And I did want to touch on whale blubber. This is gonna. You guys are about to get your world rocked. I'm so excited. Whale blubber, muktuk. Actually, it's not a lie. It tastes creamy and nutty and good. People eat it. Like it's a thing. It's a I, very... I, give me some. I will eat it for sure. I would creamy totally and nutty a... sounds right up my alley. Oh yeah, it sounds God. great. <laughs> Shit. You too. No blubber for you. Uh, no, but for real, it is supposed to be good, and I do want to try it. Like as weird as that is, for we, sure. in our his dark materials episodes at Girls Gone Canon. They literally had in one of the the first book. There's a story about seal blubber and how it's really good. And I looked it up because I was like, I don't believe that. And that's how I know this. Like I knew this fact for you immediately because it turns out fat tastes good, which makes sense. Because have you guys ever had a steak with well, fat I was gonna on it? Say, yep. Yeah, that's the best part. I love heart disease. I mean, you want to um, mix, right? You want the fat with a good piece of meat. Yeah. Want, no, absolutely. You don't want that all creamy, fat, like, yeah, just yeah. melty, buttery. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Oh gosh, you guys stop. <laughs> This is likely, to your point earlier, Scad, George did not plan on going there in 2002. So this is probably our only look at Ib. Like, this is it. According to a Sospake Martin with Paps at Westeros.org Citadel, George is like, oh yeah, this is about all you'll see. I don't really plan on going to Ib, which is kind of a bummer because I know a lot of people think uh, with some of the Dothraki history he wrote into there that maybe something was going to happen, like Danny burned down their wooden wall so the Dothraki can sack Ib, which who knows, maybe. Maybe that could happen. But I've seen a couple theories or something Why, like that. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's the point? There's no yeah. time. She already has to go to Volantis and Pentos and whatever, you know? I don't know. Whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. got like 80 places to go. The girl's got stuff to do. She's yeah. not going to Ib. We're never seeing Ib again. This is it. I mean, this like, of the things <sighs> laid down, is she going to go to Ib or a Shy? 
Yeah. She doesn't it, have time for either likely. one. Either. Neither yeah. of them are happening. Neither of them are happening. The latter. The right. latter would be the choice if right. it happened. Right. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that you commented on Ibsar uh, because it's like totally a prison island now, right? And mm-hmm. the criminals were often mutilated when they got sent there so that they could never return to Ib. And this practice came to fall eventually after they had uh, the final god king die. But they've never lost, like, it, it's still a creepy prison island, basically. Yeah. Like, what? That's it? You're just going to leave it like that, George? Yeah. What? But do, you, do you think they still take people there? I guess. I and mean, drop them all. Like, them? Swim, swim the last 50 yards. We're not docking. <laughs> Good luck. Enjoy yeah. the fish. I wonder. Maybe like a heavy mobster, like, you're going to sleep with the fishes tonight, Mr. Ib. I don't know. (laughs) They call me Mr. Ib. (laughs) Is that like Pib, the pop? Is it Pib? Uh, Mr. Mr. Tibbs, that's... uh... Tibbs? Mr. Pib is uh, Dr. Pepper. It's Poitier. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Look it up. It's it's, uh, it's a good one. Okay, yeah. Uh, Heat of the Night, I think, is what that's called. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sydney Poitier, really, really good. Uh, Black Cop goes from D.C. down in the south where he's not wanted and foils plots. It's really good. Check it out. It's classic. Nice. Classic. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Is what that, that's, that's the Based on a, uh, several true stories, I hear. Could be. I don't know that. Several. Who knows? Who knows? Who, who, who does? So here's the, here's the interesting, interesting thing about Ib to me. And... Again, maybe just Elio and Linda having fun and, and, and George is like, put it in there and, you know, whatever. We're never going back. Who cares? But in the way they've written it and and I, why I seized on the lack of ability to breed is, what was that? What was that? Was that too harsh? It was uh, just funny. <laughs> crossbreed. You're not wrong. So, so uh, it takes a long time. I'll, I'll, I'll just make the point first, and then I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about why. This entry from Ib indicates that this world is millions of years old. And most of the stories that we talk about in this episode and in the story in general are talking about tens or, or maybe hundreds of thousands of years. This indicates that the world is millions of years old. because Or, 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 or that they had two distinct races to begin with. One of those two things yes. seems to be true. Or, I guess, there's a third option. Their people are nothing like ours. We tend to make them like us, right? But maybe they're just different. But mutation like this that that causes a people to become two separate people that can't mix in the breeding capacity uh, takes takes a million years for an evolutionary change to take place, generally, is, is what our scientists think. And so it implies something about this world being really, really, really old. Or not, I guess, if you believe one of those other things. I, think I left you speechless. Well, kind of. I actually agree with you. Believe it or not, I've never, I've never said this out loud, but I'm just kidding. I have. And I'm sure you twice. feel immense shame. Um, still considering the feeling, but <laughs> maybe I'll process it. Let it marinate a little bit. Uh, overnight, I don't know. That stuff causes disease. But the children of the forest. Let's circle back to these guys for yeah. a second. Okay. And the Ifiquevron that we've been talking about. Uh, um, forest dwellers, yeah. So the woodwalkers, mm-hmm. right? The yeah. woodwalkers, they call the Ifiquevron. They're 
basically children of the forest. Like he wanders here and there, they say. I'm sorry, but like they carve trees and haunted grottoes in the Thousand Islands, and the Ibides said that the little people blessed a household that left offerings of leaf and stone and water yeah. overnight. Um, and the sea snake confirmed, Corley's confirmed that the Dothraki name for lost people meant those who walk in the woods. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of easy to uh, to pretty much just say out loud. It's basically children of the forest, and it's basically confirming that there were two races, and that children of the forest were there. And the gist that this gives me is that children of the forest existed everywhere first, and then the first men came. Mm-hmm. And then, why would the Ibanese be so hairy and squat, you guys? I'm just putting it out there. A lot of these people, like some of the Dornish that have that similar parallel to like the neck, for example. The neck, very much so, is... Like, children of the forest, but now they're first men children of the forest. And this feels like it, too. This feels like the Ibanese are a mixture of what was children of the forest and that they probably bred with them. So so that's interesting because it it flies in the face of what I was just talking about, about people needing to be similar enough. Mm -hmm. The idea that children could mate with humans seems, from a fantasy perspective, I'm all about fantasy, that's all over the place. You know, elves mating with humans and things like that, and it's possible, right? But then he throws this in here about the Ibanese not being able to mate with humans. Well, if humans could mate with children of the forest, couldn't they then mate with the offspring of children of the forest and humans, which is one step I closer? I think so. I mean, I guess that's genetics, and we don't know. Yeah, no, we George has obviously doesn't care about that, but... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 like where you're, I like where your head's at, well, which the... is the children of the forest have been in this area... And maybe the Ibanese are somehow related to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They talk about the the fused stone at Old Town and everything. And, and maybe oh, we'll wow. get into a, a fused stone discussion later. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But um, the point that I'm, I'm, I'm getting towers? at with this is that the Great Empire of the Dawn could have stretched as far as Westeros at some point. Or at least uh, had scouts or 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 a, a party that that got to Westeros and and Traitors. the evidence of that is old town and the few stone there so then the question would be Chloe you talked about children of the forest being spread all over the world and and maybe this is where they started is if Kevron and then they were they were brought over to Westeros or the other way around that they started out in Westeros and some were were brought over to if Kevron so there's definitely. I would go the opposite. I would say that children of the forest were everywhere, were and there just were just different everywhere. names for them. That yeah, they were just different names. Totally. I mean, they're calling them the Ifiquevron. We call them the children of the forest. We, I'm acting like Westeros is America, but here we are, USA, USA. Um, but it, it really feels that way because you look at different people, like uh, especially with what you're talking about, like Great Empire of the Dawn. I really think when you there's a lot of people that theorize like that is proto Valyrian that mm-hmm. they came first or that yep. they're a type of first men and I really think they were maybe proto first men that mm. I mean you'd look at uh, obviously there's lots of theorizing about the Starks having their magical blood because of the Blackwoods and yada yada five generations ago they banged these people and now they have magic and blah 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 and Targaryens don't get me started and, on the blood yeah you know what I mean that stuff I I'm not going to go into it I don't have time for their own negative crap but. If you look at, like, the the Danes, for example, they're probably 
from that Empire of the Dawn. Right. A lot of people have theorized. I know, like, LML said stuff. Other people have said stuff. It's a very weird... Once you read a lot of the stuff going on in Yeetie, and then you move over to the different empires, you're like, oh, huh. Lots of interesting symbolism and holy yes. stuff. And obviously, they have magic. And there's this stuff in the Marsh King chapter, in the World of Ice and Fire, where they talk about how the Marsh Kings were said to have magical hued eyes and then we meet in the books jojen and mira mira we don't get a description on her eyes jojen has mossy green very very vivid right. green eyes because he's a green seer uh, it's obvious that there's magic power in there that he is a seer so he has to get his power from somewhere and lo and behold all uh all of the people from the marsh all of the neck the cranog men happen to be squat and kind of gorilla-esque, just like some of the salty, swathy Dornish, or like the Ibanese. The Ibanese, yep. Mm -hmm. One thing World of Ice and Fire does really well on careful reading is it ties the world together. It ties the whole world together and gives you little hints of of yes. a more united world at some point, right? Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it shows that we're all one degree away from each other in yep. that respect. Mm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Next. <laughs> Next, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton more on on the Ibanese. Uh, do you have anything else, Chloe? You want to dive into? I do. I can go into some Lovecraft, I suppose. Please. I suppose. So I'm not the person probably usually you'd expect for this, and I think you guys said I'm popping your Lovecraft cherry right you now. Are. You are. I have never read any Lovecraft. I know some, uh, like, like I've heard some, but I, I don't know. I've never read any. Didn't even know making, what it was until like two years ago. We're making love crafts together tonight, you guys. We are cheating on Eliana. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I love you, Eliana. I love you, Eliana. Wish you were I'm here. In so much trouble. Whoa! Wait a second. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so if... you tried to break up our podcast, we can try to break up yours. Listen, I'm just trying to bring us together, man. Uh, you would. Whatever makes the makeup sex better for you guys. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you got to say to keep the relationship going. You yep. do, okay? Uh, so Lovecraft has a story. It's called The Doom That Came to Sarnath. Now, mm. this may remind you of some other etymology in A Song of Ice and Fire, The Lost Kingdom of Sarnor. Sarnor, uh, yes. Uh, uh. So Ib used to trade with them. capital was Sath, right? Yep, Absolutely. Ib used to trade with them. It was great, yada, yada. Well, the story by Lovecraft goes that shepherd people colonized the riverbanks of the kingdom of Sarnor. They created, or sorry, of Sarnath. They See, it's the same word. I yeah, mean, come close. on, George. It's There's only the like thing. three letters different. Seriously, you know I'm not that smart, George. Uh, the shepherd people colonized the riverbanks of the kingdom of Sarnath, and they create this kingdom. 10,000 years before the story takes place, they formed their own cities. They're super strong in merchant stuff. Really going great. Things are great. Across the way, on the other side of the quote-unquote lake, there laid an ancient city with weird settlers from the moon who worshipped a water lizard, who uh, the water lizard god was called Bokrug. Naturally, the Sarnath people were like, these people are kind of fucked up. And it turns out it was a racist thing. Not a religious thing about the lizards. Totally racist because they were like weird looking, I guess. They had green skin, bulging eyes. Totally just strange looking to these people. And green mists rose from their lands and the lake around them. Very interesting. Green mist. So not the blue mist. Not that freezing blue mist we talked about, but green mist. So Sarnath destroys their city. They steal their idol, Bokrug idol, as a trophy. And the idol the next night 
vanishes like out of nowhere and a high priest is found dead murdered and before he died he had written a word on an altar an empty altar which was doom he just wrote doom Mm. all over this altar Mm. and then he was found murdered yeah wild shit so sarnath rebuilds 10 centuries later the the strange lights and the heavy green mists appear over the lake during uh, a feast they're holding in honor of destroying this city ib it's called the mists keep happening the tide rises super high. Everyone freaks out. They're like, wow, we should never have fucked with Ib. We're going to leave that city alone forever. And after this, the survivors end up reporting, like, some survivors see inhabitants of Ib peering from windows of the city's towers, while others, like, refuse to say what they saw. But in the end, they all, like, stayed the hell out of Ib. They just, like, left it. It's an empty marsh with water lizards. They left it, and the missing idol somehow made its way back to Ib. And they don't how do, know how. How do they know what made it made us go back if they left it alone? Uh, because they just like would walk by and be like, "Not gonna go there, I guess." I don't know. I'm not H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. I can't tell you that. You have to ask him, and he's dead. So. Oh, there we go. Ask him anyway. Yeah, but their god uh, reigns supreme in that land. After that, ever since then, the water lizard Bakrug was the god that entire area believed in because of that. Because they were like, "Wow, we shouldn't have fucked with Ib." So don't fuck with Ib. It's kind of the moral. I feel like the Dothraki didn't learn that. No, they did not. They did not. Man, am I the only one that kind of hates the Dothraki? <laughs> like, like seriously, these savages are the ones that are going like, to beat everyone up? They're the ones that conquered the, the Sarnor, right? And they're the ones that conquered yeah. the Ib in, in the Ithic Everon. I kind of feel like it's weak writing. Like, Ooh, wow, who's coming after George now? It's a critique. It's a valid critique. They are, in my opinion, they're not very fleshed out. Um, I think that he makes a really interesting analog that, like, they're Danny's family now. You know, she keeps them as her family and her her people, her right-hand men and all. But, like, at the same, like, and the people she has with them, like, they're not, they're not bad people or anything. They're just people that live a different lifestyle. But George, I feel like his description of it is a little... It could be a little racist and a little just like, okay, well, what if we just made these savages? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, mm, we get one POV. We don't. We don't get a POV from their side. We so I, it's like I want to defend them a little bit. I know I'm the one that attacked them first, but 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 like. I don't know. They have a whole different culture than than most of what we see, and so it's it's interesting to switch to that perspective. But we never really get that perspective. All we get is the outside perspective of their life. I feel like we're gonna see a lot of that POV. We're gonna see a lot of that POV changeover too when it gets to future books, like with Danny and Tyrion and different things. Like we'll see yeah. a lot of things left out, and I feel I don't know if it's on purpose or if maybe this is just a gap. You know? Yeah. Mm. Or like a lot of this stuff, does George just not think it's that important to flesh out? Right. One one point that he does make, you talked about the Iffy Kevron, is that the Dothraki actually have kind of a reverence slash respect for them. They just kind of leave them alone. They leave them yeah. alone. And yeah. so with our earlier discussion, this is just me speculating here, of uh, Children of the Forest and everything, if some Dothraki so make it across the, the narrow sea... And come to Westeros, 
what if there was some chance encounter with some children of the forest and how could the children of the forest and the reverence that the Dothraki traditionally have had for them influence how things go with the Dothraki over there. So that's one of those little clues that George could like twist into the main story. I mean, the Dothraki would have to get above the wall. I mean, like that would be a very chance encounter. Well, I absolutely think he's onto something, though, because um, I'm not sure what the implications are, especially because George right. was like, y'all are never going to see Ib again, right. lol. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe Danny, when she joins like with the Kalasar she met, uh, I mean, these people have lived in these lands and dealt with, like, fuck you, Ib, we can't do anything about it, but also fuck you for so long. Like, maybe... I mean, there's the idea, like I said, maybe she burns down the wood wall and the Dothraki can sack the lands, but uh, I don't think we have time for it. Maybe going to the north, it's foreboding. It's showing that there's going to be conflict in the future for the Dothraki in the north in general. Um, I think I have a feeling the children of the forest will be donezo soon enough, right? I mean, they don't really have a bright future going on <laughs> in the north with Bran. Uh, I feel like, you know, Bran's, what, eating his best friend, so what, what's going to happen to the children of the forest, the natives? You really think they're going to live? Come on now. But... <laughs> I kind of think they might. I don't know if they will do. Maybe one. Well, if, Maybe well, if Danny makes it up to the wall with them, and then they're like, they meet the children of the forest, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the, our legends speak of these people. And yeah, the woodwalkers. Yeah. So, I don't know. Almost like, uh, you know how Val in dance how Val is kind of like, no, John, like this is the most wildling superstition, the most free folk superstition ever, but grayscale means death for anyone that looks at it. And we have to kill this kid right now. And I wonder if it's like going to be one of those things like, no, Khaleesi, don't you know, like the woodwalkers are evil. They are tricksters. Mm -hmm. They're this. I just can imagine maybe something like that will come in, but I just don't think it's going to go farther. It could be an idea I once had. And then wrote it off. Yeah, yeah. Like, <sighs> is it gonna is it gonna be story changing implications? Probably it, not. Yeah, yeah. It, it's right. one of those uh, Dothraki. Uh, it is known things, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah it is known, Khaleesi. It is known, Khaleesi. Not egg. <laughs> we don't. We don't fuck with the children. They'll try to make yeah. you eat your friend. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, woodwalkers are bad, Khaleesi. <laughs> they have weird indigestion. It is known. Yeah. If they Fair offer way. you pudding, don't eat it. Yeah. Even if it has strands of strawberry in it. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we move on? East of Ib and the Bones. For they left their bones behind to mark their passing. The bones of men, the bones of horses, the bones of giants and camels and oxen, of every sort of beast and bird and monster, all can be found amongst these savage peaks. Yeah, so this is this section's a, kind of an interesting one. It kind of just gives us kind of a summary of what's going on east of Ib and, and these mountains and everything. And then we kind of drill into some more things in later sections in this episode. But beyond the Ifekevron, the grasslands gradually grow into the bones, a massive mountain chain that stretches clear from the top of the Shivering Sea down south to the Jade Sea, which is below Yt. So seemingly impassable that even the indefatigable Lomas Longstrider turned away once he arrived, there are only three main passes through the natural wall that we call the Bones. Those passes are the Steel Road, the Stone Road, and the Sand Road. 
The first two originate in Vestothrak, while the sand road passes through the southern dry bones. None of these roads sound super fun, and thus few from Westeros have ventured overland beyond the bones. And those who have will find themselves in the lands of the Jogos Nai in the north, or uh, you will have to come across the uh, fortress cities of Bayasabad, Samiriana, and Kayakayanaya. Kayakayanaya. I've practiced that forever, you guys. Kayakayanaya. Kaya, Kayakayanaya. None of these places sound super inviting. There's some really cool stuff going on at these with, with uh, warrior women and stuff that we can talk about. Anyway, still further east are the Thousand Islands. The Ibanese would have us believe that it's really about 300 islands, which is home to a green-skinned, hairless people with filed teeth, which the women use to slice the foreskin of their males. George, what the what the uh, they've been known to sacrifice sailors to sea gods who they fear as much as the sea itself. It was here that Corliss Valerion, that great adventurer, decided he'd gone far enough and he turned back west of the Thousand Islands. Uh, south of the islands on the mainland lies the secret city of Nefer in the kingdom of Nagai, with its sinister reputation as being home to necromancers and torturers, and where it's said most of the city is beneath the ground, kind of like a buzzing mole's town. Um, Masovi to the east still is purportedly a dark land of shape changers and demon hunters. And, uh, that inviting place is kind of the last stop and kind of the north of Essos there. If we go south, we hit a shy, but that's kind of as far as the map goes. Um, the lands beyond are a mystery. Some claiming they are a realm of darkness, of storm and chaos, what strange lands exist beyond this, Chloe and Skad? How far west does the Shivering Sea stretch? How far east, excuse me? And what yet undiscovered peoples and cultures inhabit its coast? Where does east eventually become west? Don't know. I mean, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. Yeah, all, all those have A's at the end. They do. Rage Against the Machine. Oh my god, killing in the name of killing in the name of $300 tickets. Maria. Slicing foreskin. Holy cow. Man. Well, I love that as we get to these bones, as we get to the bone, give a dog a bone. Uh again with that pocket sandbox, the actual kingdom of Sarnor is really similar to the patrimony of Hercoon which the patrimony of Hercoon is this ancient nation. It is east of the Bone Mountains in Essos, and it's ruled by the patriarchs of Hercoon. They are the ones who founded those fortress cities that you just talked about. Uh, Kayakeana. Fuck, I fucked it up. See, you did better than I did. I didn't practice it. Well, here, Kay- here's the thing. I got it from, I got my pronunciation from Ashaya. Ashaya. So, <sighs> Kayakayanaya. Yep. That's well, the easiest I, I heard it better in Kayakayana. my head, but I also had vodka, so I don't, yeah, you know, I understand. I'm like, mm. So you talked about these fortress cities, Kayakayanaya, uh, Shamiriana, and Bayasabad, and they each guard the Steel Road, Stone Road, and Sand Road. And as we get closer to the Jade Sea, there's, of course, this whole archetype that keeps happening of their own version of Azor High. right? They had Harkun the hero, 
mm-hmm. who there's an awesome photo. If you don't have the World of Ice and Fire, I do it's recommend getting it. It's like a sexy coffee table book. You can like open it and be like, I am an intelligent hoe. But it's uh, a beautiful, huge photo. He's wielding Lightbringer, yeah, his own his Lightbringer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very badass. And so it really is seeming like there's an Azor High archetype in each of these cultures we're learning about. Yep. And there's something more playing with that Harkoon because... I believe it draws inspiration from Hyrcania in Shadows in the Moonlight by Robert E. Howard. In an essay in Dream Songs, uh, the anthology that Martin wrote in, he cites reading Howard's story as a super, super formative experience for his writing. Mm -hmm. And it's a super formative fantasy work in general, right? It's based around Conan. Uh, It brings back that formative uh, hero with a sword fantasy thing, and it's from 1934. And he even quotes a passage referring to Hyrcania in this essay where he's like talking about whose riders wore steel and silk and gold. So George is really just having a freaking field day making heroes in all of these countries, right? And making his own Azora High happen in every single continent. Yep. The interesting thing, though, about the Patrimony of Harkoon is that their warriors were women. And so it's a weird fit. That's one of the things that struck me is that for them to have this legend of this magical warrior with a flaming sword, it it fights against their tradition of having their warriors be women. It's interesting. Potentially, yeah. Sounds like it's great to be a lady beyond the bones, actually. Uh, beyond the what? The the huh? bo- the bones. No bones about it. No bones about it, my friend. You're gonna miss everybody. Or boners. Um, the uh, yeah, you've got these warrior women, um, the women up in the Thousand Islands. It's it's a women's land east of the Don't, bones. The women in the Thousand like... Islands are not having a great time. <laughs> Amazing dressing aside, that sounds like a shitty existence. It does feel very much so like the the uh, I guess anachronistical <laughs> edition of Warrior Woman. It's like Spearwise, right. right? But yeah. not not at all. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. The Thousand Islands are really interesting. Like. A creepy place, right? Again, old. Like, the fact that these people have mutated into this completely other race millions of years, guys, again. Unless there's something different to begin with. Um, you know, it points to like something that would fracture the land in such a way to create the islands this way and, and strand people, because it feels very much like these people were stranded. They're not a seafaring people, so... They yep, either would have sailed there and been willing to keep sailing, or they got stranded there on our what the text indicates is that they're terrified of the water, right? And so something happened to that land to like fracture it, send it out into the middle of the sea, and leave it there. And, you know, like some sort of northern doom, maybe. Um, something way, way, way earlier. Fallout of the long night. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe then, or even earlier than that, maybe. I mean, again, based on the genetic thing that I was talking about, but yeah. I mean, the long night wasn't that long ago compared to genetic dispersion. But 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 if there's like mutation going on or like some sort of um, you know radiation or radiation something. event, right? Exactly that can kind of expedite those types of changes. You know, then then maybe we're talking about something different. But. Um, there's there's a lot out there. If you go dive, I, I I went on a on a brief dive and you know stuff about the deep ones maybe like raping the populace and changing their genetics that way, which is terrifying to think about. Um, there's stuff about the children of the forest maybe like 
uh, of the Ifakabaran or maybe of Masavoy, maybe also children there, uh, like sinking the islands, kind of like they did with the Arm of Dorne and, and maybe with some of what they did in the neck and stuff. Um, See, or, this or... stuff is creepier to me than like some people are like, George, I can't believe you wrote The Red Wedding. And I'm like, this stuff is what weirds me out more. Yeah, like <laughs> genocide. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, nobody <laughs> yeah. ever comments. We all talked about a lot. Uh, me, you, and Matt all talked about genocide in depth, actually, in the last six months with our Jon Snow chapters and, like, That's that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is what gets me. I'm like, uh, okay, you guys are worried about the stabby stab and all, but, like, what about this? We've got whole races of well, people it's, that it's are It's the betrayal that makes the Red Wedding interesting, right? The intrigue yeah. of the betrayal. But, sure. yeah, this is, this is a much greater event. Yeah. It's a very casual, like, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by yeah. the way, these people are uh, stranded. People. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And they live a terrified existence, but still make children, but also live terrified. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that a lot of this stuff, and I mean, obviously we have the doom and these big, you know, terraformatic events that kind of just like destroyed places and populations and cities, but... Uh, do you think that like places like hard home are really being set up for this kind of stuff? Yeah. Some sort of parallel there. Maybe. Totally. It totally could be. You you mean of a, of a, of an upcoming event? Yeah. Yeah. A I mean, repeat uh, of the long night, right? I mean, that's obviously what we're in is mm-hmm. the current long night. It's starting. Uh, it's becoming a very, uh, an extended evening, so to say, but <laughs> we're at yeah. like six thirty. But we're seeing it, like, everywhere, right? We're seeing it. Hard Home is, like, basically a freaking radiation ground. It sounds like it sounds like a goddamn yeah. mess over there. Um, and all these places that, like, no one can go to any longer. Because if you go there, you'll probably, like, get deformed and die because of it. I don't know. Yeah. I hear you. It, it, it's hard to know, right? But it feels... it When you read these texts... I mean, we are so in the bubble, you guys. Us as, like, analysts of, this, of these texts. But, like, it feels like he's setting up a lot. Right. Right. And like, you never know what they're just going to like leave out and like not develop. But yeah, it feels like he's trying to set something up like, look, these kinds of events happen in this world because there is, there are ley lines of, of magic and, and elemental fury and things that happen and volcanoes and shit. And something else is going to happen in the main line of the story. At the same time, it feels too soon. Valeria was, you know, 300 or 400 years ago, 500 years ago. It wasn't that long ago for, like, a cataclysmic event like that. For the but Doom, the same, right? For the Doom, yeah. 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 But but it, it does feel like he's trying to lay the ground groundwork for things like this happen in the world. Be ready to read one. Yeah. Don't know yeah. what, don't know where. And you know the second it happens yeah. in the books, we're all going to be like, ah, oh, we're so dumb. We should there it was. That That's what coming. I'm talking about. It's like, there it was. Ah, the no. whole time. That's the rub. <laughs> it was the first sentence of the series. You know, like uh-huh. some stupid bullshit. Because <laughs> there's some sort of trick. Like all of us. We should turn back. All we have to do is turn back the clock and then it wouldn't <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know. There's something that we're all missing. We're all like really close. We're like maybe a step and a half away from just figuring it all out yep. at any given time. Yeah, I don't feel that Please close. Run. I just want to read it. No, well, it's hard being you, apparently. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the bones. You know, you don't leave a ton of bones passing through. It feels to me like something happened in the bones to cause all these bones. If you're, like, migrating through, you know, a few people die and you leave a few bones, 
but it feels like something happened there. Yeah, something. I don't know. It, it, the, the text doesn't really point to it, but other than just the mass amount of bones there. It reminded me of, like, Everest and how, like, people pass by bodies and stuff on the way up, you know? They just leave them. Preserved totally. by the cold, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And that's why I don't go outside. Yep. Doesn't Too even sound fun to me. Nope, not even a little. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm curious about Again, we're never going to see this place. No. No. Ever again? No, probably not. What's the point? Yep. All right, you guys got much. Scad, oh, go ahead. Sorry. To echo you, Scad. What's the point? What is the point? It's to set up much... themes and parallels, guys. <laughs> Which I love. I love that. That's why we analyze these books because we love that stuff. But, <laughs> but also. But also. A whole book. Come on. Uh, you guys have much cost? more here. <laughs> no, that's a, uh, that's all I got on the bones. I mean, I really, I, I shot my, uh, my big load on the Ib stuff. You know how <laughs> I am. A I'm big, a passionate Ib girl. That I was a big like... load. Actually, if you guys recall Ice and FireCon, uh, well, Matt, you weren't at this one, but mm-hmm. year it was what 2018. Zach from Game of Owns was in the tourney, the uh, mock tourney at Ice and FireCon, and he entered as an Ibanese man. So every single time he <laughs> nice. rode his stick horse in the joust, he would declare, for Ib! And it was probably the best day of my life. We were That was very funny. We were dying laughing. We were, like, unable to function laughing. <laughs> uh, for Ib! Hey, they gave for the Ib. Dothraki a run for their money, it said, on a couple of occasions. So Hell yeah, they that. did. Yeah. So Scat's happy. So over there, like, Fuck anyone them, that can Dothraki. give the Dothraki a run for their money, I'm happy about. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Fuck them, Dothraki. He said, "Fuck them." <sighs> Et. Oh wait, let's do we it. wanted to do something else first, right? We do the. Well, yeah. I think Chloe's gonna leave. Yeah, I'm us gonna here. bail out on you. Actually, Absolutely. Chloe, Chloe's gonna leave. She did her, so, her little drop in. Thank you. Yeah. For, I'm so for glad you the... stayed, dear. Absolutely. Well, yeah. So I will drop off. Uh, but thank you guys so much for having me. I am, Matt, I am more than depressed that I will not see you at Ice and Fire Con. I, me too. I really wish I was going to, and hopefully we can figure something out. And if not, next year, there's always 2021. There is. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can get, there's the rub. Hopefully we get at least another year of 2021 Matt Scad adventures. You guys playing guitar and refusing to follow me. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming Always. by, Chloe. We appreciate it, yes. and uh, we'll see you. I'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you so much, and I will see you soon, guys. Okay, bye, bye, Chloe. Bye. Okay, so now it's time to uh, thank our patrons uh, and uh, for for their support, and thank you everybody that supports the show. But uh, we'll go ahead and thank thank those of us on the on the Patreon, starting with our dirty cab drivers, Lady Fatass Red, Jeff H. Archmaster June, healer of the lesser toxins. Jamie K. Donorus. Colin U. Gib. Gene. Ghost. Chase. Killer. The Bard of Legends, Aaron M. Cat Spearborn. Manu G. And Mr. J, the red shirt in black. Boom. And at our reach around level, we have the lovely B word, who's our queen beyond the wall. And at the Team John level, as always, Nisa. 
our queen of gifts and beauty. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Mm-hmm. As Thank we you guys. cover the gamut of George's work. March on. Speaking of the, that gamut, Yeti. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to have fun the five, with this one. <laughs> The five forts are very old, older than the Golden Empire itself. Some claim they were raised by the Pearl Emperor during the morning of the Great Empire to keep the Lion of Night and his demons from the realms of men. Whew. The land of a thousand gods and a hundred princes ruled by one god emperor is how legendary explorer Indefatigable Explorer, I think you called him earlier, Lomas Longstrider, described E.T. But for those less interested in gods and more interested in land and wealth, it's rich, yo. Really rich. All types of land and stream are featured in this huge kingdom, and their wealth is such that the princes live in palaces of solid gold, or such as the legend. It's ridiculous. There are now three emperors, though, where once there was one. None of them really command the whole empire. They just kind of rule rule their own cities, and there are hundreds of other princes around ruling their own cities. Back in the day, though, the god emperors were all powerful and the wealthiest people in all of Planetus. Yiti includes everything the bo- from the bones to the gray waste, east to west, and from the shivering sea to the jade sea, north to south. In fact, it doesn't really stop there because the giant island of Lang uh, was part of the kingdom too, for a time. Uh, this giant area was ruled by the god on earth, who was the son of the lion of night and the maiden made of light. This dude, the god on earth, ruled for 10,000 years with his 100 queens. Mm-hmm. Entry's a, entropy's a bitch, though, because his son only ruled for 1,000 years. And that guy's son for less than that, and even less for his son, and so on and so on and so on. The apple falling apparently a little further from the tree each time. And the kingdom under more stress from its borders and from the sins of its people. Finally, the Amethyst Empress was cast down by her younger brother, the Bloodstone Emperor, as he was to be called. This dude was a disaster. He enslaved people, he practiced necromancy, feasted on human flesh, and cast down the true gods to worship a black stone. He's worshipping a rock, you guys. He's worshipping... Imagine the guy you respect most in life, and you come upon him and he's worshipping a rock. (laughs) Well, that's what this guy's doing. Anyway, all this naughty behavior from the Bloodstone Emperor brought great-great-great-great-whatever-grandpa back down to Planetos to set things right. The Lion of Night, that's right. And he caused the Long Night. This is when the Long Night happened, roughly 8,000 years ago, right? So throwing this back to the last... Uh, so, so the darkness lasted for who knows how long. But it was a legend we've all heard before that brought back the light and pushed the others, the darkness and the Lion of Night, back away, back into obscurity. That legend, of course, is Azor Ahai, also known by lots of other names, as we've kind of talked about, as, as Chloe mentioned in the last section. Hirkun the Hero, Yintar, Nefarion, and Eldric Shadow Chaser. Whatever name you choose, they all agreed he wielded Lightbringer and ended this whole, this whole Long Night thing. The light being back didn't heal the Empire of Yiti, though, not really. It was fractured for good. They were one of the first centers of mankind thriving, really, They were learned and advanced, and they still are. Suffice to say, much like Westeros in the last 8,000 years, they've waxed and waned with different groups seizing power, holding on to it for various bits of time, and then losing it. You know, wars and things like that. But uh, 
you know, their, their kind of golden age of those 10,000 years uh, is kind of, kind of over. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it became known as the Golden Empire after that. Um, a little bit more about it. Uh, easy to travel. There were good roads crisscrossing the empire. Lots of cities and very big ones. Um, they usually had two or three sister cities lying beneath the one that you're currently in these days. Uh, the capital moved around depending on which emperor was kind of in power, which is interesting. There wasn't one constant capital city. Uh, currently, the Golden Empire is on their 17th Azure Emperor. And this finger just wants to know what they're going to do when they run out of gemstones. You've only got so many. Do you start back over or something? I guess. I mean, I mean it's been so long no one would remember, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Yin is the capital currently. And the palace itself in Yin is bigger than King's Landing. I'm going to say that again. The palace is bigger than the entirety of the city of King's Landing. But this emperor's legitimacy, like a lot of them uh, these days, is challenged by a sorcerer lord from beyond the mountains of the Morn, and also by Pol Kol, the first of the orange emperors. Just another example, uh, you know, in a tumultuous history of rule in Yeti, yeah. it's always challenged. We have pretenders. Yeah, they're challengers. Always. And then lastly for this section, we move to what is, I think, by far the most interesting part of the section, the Five Forts, which predate the Golden Empire, made during the Great Empire of the Dawn, presumably to keep the Lion of Night at bay. These thousand-foot-tall black stone forts form a line between Yi Ti and the Land of Shrikes. Why they are there, we don't really know. We can only speculate. The lands beyond sound pretty dicey, to be honest, but nobody really goes there, so nobody really knows. It's all theory. The stories include men with leathern wings, bloodless men. What does that mean? Like, they have water? They like, like, like zombies. What? Yeah, maybe. Uh, cities made of bones, green-scaled men with venomous bites. Snarks and grumpkins are real, we don't know. We need more, George, we need more. Here, on this. And that's pretty much the end of the section. Oh, those five forts are fascinating. They really are, aren't they? They're a thousand feet high. Yeah. The wall is only 700 feet at its It's tallest. way bigger than the wall, and there's five of them. Yeah. They say each also, fort could house 10,000 people. But if you look at the map, and I am. No, we don't, I don't have a scale on my map. I don't know how far they are apart, really. But it's more than nothing. It doesn't seem like they'd be that effective at actually keeping anything out. You know what I mean? You got you got crossfire with bows and arrows and stuff. Those bows are gonna have to shoot a long way, Matt. I mean, we're talking about like a hundred miles in between each one, right? You think a hundred miles? Well, I don't know. Something. What map are you looking at? I'm looking at the east map. The east map. I feel like maybe it's not 100, but it's, you know, it's yeah. definitely tens. Well, it's in the tens. If you got 10,000 dudes in each fort, I guess they can ride out and yeah. attack anyone that's trying You're to right. get through. You're right. But... It is noted that the the forts, the, the forts can hold 10,000 men. So, yeah, maybe they just kind of send them on patrols and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right. But... All right. You're convincing me. <sighs> Yeah, the the building of them is what's fascinating too. That fused yes. stone, and it's like, what could yeah. have, you know, what had to happen 
for these huge slabs of stone to be put into place. And it, and it speaks to just how old this civilization is. They talk about it being the cradle of civilization here in Yi T. Yep. And just to think that they had that kind of technological ability slash magical ability too, because I think there had to have been something going on magically. Had to be something. Now, this, these predate to, Valyria, right? Uh, by a long shot. By a bit. By a bit. Um, and potentially thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so I mean, I, I guess. The implication is the lot of a lot of the stone shaping is thought, you know, through Valeria and and at uh, at uh, uh, geez, what's the city called? Volantis. Uh, Volantis, that one. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Um, and the the roads, right? Mm-hmm. That a lot of those were maybe shaped by dragon fire and stuff. Right. They we do have uh, archaeological record of dragon bones and stuff showing us that dragons existed long yes. before Valyria. Which points to evidence, yeah, that, that that maybe the the uh the Great Empire of the Dawn were proto Valyrians, right? Or or Absolutely. I yeah, think for Valyrians sure they were. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean the fact of the you think of the Danes as well. And how the Danes have similar <coughs> features to I'm talking about the Danes. I know. <laughs> With their purple eyes and everything. They but they're not Valyrian. Yeah. The Danes did not originate in Valyria. So these similar bloodlines or similar features had to have come from one big civilization. I think it had to have been these guys. They yes. eventually came from the same place. I agree. So you think they had dragons too? The, or you um, think they were using magic to shape the stone, or the archaeological? Should we start with? Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, yes, there were dragons back then. Yeah, but do you think that's what they were using? Uh, potentially. Yeah, I don't know. I, where do you think the stone even came from? Right. Yeah. No idea. I mean, uh, we've got the know, two types the of stones. Of the we've dawn. got the oily black one, and we got the fused yeah. one. But... Right. Sorry. Go ahead. But, but well, the fused the. But the stones, I know, I know, some of them are oily black stone and some of them are fused black stone. But like, the stone came from the same place, right? Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. As 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 always, I watched. I I feel like I watched this episode at least once a year. I watched the Great Empire of the Dawn episode again uh, while I was kind of prepping for this episode. From uh, History of Westeros. Yes, from History yeah. of Westeros and LML. Yeah. Great episode. If you haven't watched it. Do I also watched their shy episode uh, today, um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like it must have come from from meteors or something, right? And then how it got distributed to all these places is the real mystery, right? Yeah, and then how it was how it was distributed and and then how it was worked, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, Shia on that um, on that episode. That that postulates that maybe it was produced by dragon flame, or the dragon flame kind of melted it so that it could be moldable, and then sorcery to actually do yes. the molding. Yes, for sure. I think that's mentioned in the text somewhere, um, but but the stone still had to come from somewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was it mined? 
Well, don't know. It, if it is, we don't know where there's any more of it. Where there's right? actual mines. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we need more. I like the, these are things like you know we're pretty certain that we're not going to get more of Ib. I would really, really, really like to get more on this stuff out here. Oh and yeah, I'm hoping, for sure. I'm hoping we do maybe for Melisander. Um, she's maybe the only you know she's lived in a shy or from a shy maybe we don't, we don't know mm-hmm. a ton but um, maybe she's the one that has memories of of this place. He said, um, you know that. We're not going to go to a shy, uh, so he, he said that in a Sospeak Martin. So right, it's it's just going to be through memories and stuff, but maybe we'll get some more of that. I mean, there's a sorcerer, Matt, a sorcerer challenging the legitimacy of of the Tish Empire. Not that that's the most important thing in our story, but like, I want to know more about this guy. Who doesn't sorcerer in the mountains of Morn? Right. Like, Again, did Elio and Linda just draw this out of a hat? Like, how did they come up with this? Or is this you a know? parallel to or... to kind of what Stannis is doing as a pretender to the throne? Stannis isn't the sorcerer, obviously, but he's got Melisandre. Right, right. right. Parallel there. You also have, uh, I know you hate it when I bring him up, but you got the High Towers practicing sorcery in their own tower. I don't hate uh... it at all. <laughs> <laughs> you dork. <laughs> I know you do. Sitting uh, on a sitting on a, a foundation of fused freaking stone, fused man. Black stone, right? Which which I think were were Donish people as well coming to do that. Oh, and I think the high towers are descendants of that too. But I don't have a lot of proof, but I think it. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I do. You, you want to talk much more about Yt? I mean, they had some emperors. Uh, one guy, Chai Duke, married a Valyrian, um, mm. kind of maybe, I guess, indicating that link that we're talking about between the right. two. Yeah, and then there's the 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 hints of Danny, right? Yes, in her memory. Right. So this, her dream, rather. Sorry. This has been brought up clear back in her dream in Game of Thrones. Um. Yeah, LML in the Great Empire of the Dawn episode credits Duran Durandon for being the first one to to make this link, and that's maybe true. Yeah. Um, that that she in her dream sees all of these people with pale hair, with the color eyes, the color of all of these different right the, it says stones. That, yeah, there's that, the Pearl Emperor, the Jade Emperor, the Tourmaline, Onyx, Topaz, Opal, Jade. Yeah, and she sees eyes of those colors. They had hair of silver dreams. and hair of gold, hair of platinum yeah. white, and their eyes were opal and amethyst, tourmaline and jade. Right? Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's too too much the same. When this book came out after that one, it's too much the same for it to be a coincidence. And so and those sure. are the themes that we're looking for, and it just yeah. points to this having this heritage that goes beyond just Valyria, that it goes much further back, and yes. And making connections that way. Um, There's one where uh, Euron also describes Danny as having silver hair and amethyst eyes, Mm -hmm. which um, is another connection. There's this amethyst empress who the Bloodstone Emperor you mentioned killed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we've got a Bloodstone Emperor who kills an amethyst empress... Euron Greyjoy describes Danny as having amethyst 
eyes. Mm-hmm. And Jorah describes Linus Hightower to look just exactly like Danny. Just to throw right. that in, too. Yep. Hightower. Mm-hmm. All right. Just, I <laughs> Which could exist. go to that connection. The Danes. <laughs> Hightower. Starfall is yeah. very close yeah. to High, um, Old Town. So. It is very close. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, Dawn, of course, their sword, right? Mm-hmm. The great empire of the Dawn links there. Yeah, there's just, there there are too many, it, it, listen, it like like we've said earlier in this episode, it could be not nothing, but just like nice parallels and links that George is using right. to kind of like yep. tie the world together. Mm-hmm. But it could also be Two something clues. that he's going to draw on. Right. And I'd love, I'd love it if it, if it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this is, if this is a real clue he's giving us, is the Bloodstone Emperor like Euron reborn, and and is he yeah. gonna kill Danny, or yeah. or the Bloodstone Emperor was said to be the Amethyst Empress's envious younger brother? Yes. So is that pointing us to Fagon? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not siblings, uh, right? But but um, yeah, yep, right. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a nephew thing, right? Yes, but yeah. uh, but I mean the parallel—it's family. The parallel's still there, but mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. So a lot of interesting. Again, is this is Yt going to come into play in the in the main story? No, no. But you know what clues can we pick up on? Just to just to like get you erect about about Star Wars for a minute, because one of the we've talked about this a little bit in the past but like one of the strengths of star wars is like that they let other content creators run with it mm-hmm. like i'm dying for george to let some other people write about these places uh-huh. and and tell me stories about them and yeah. like for him to just sit in his in his you know movie theater and approve them and you know turn them down as they come into his desk like i i would spend my whole life reading these things the great if, empire if of the dawn type them. stuff and Lomas, uh, the adventures of Lomas Longstrider and totally yeah this would be great I mean I would read uh, I think I have a note about it when we get to the Jogos Nye but I would read I would read a whole book about just the Jogos Nye fighting the Patrimony of Harkoon they're pretty fun I would, I would read that yeah. book yeah yeah you know like <sighs> we had in our Twitter feed we had uh, not in our feed it was actually private messages we had uh, Jay the Bright Shirt in Black and and uh Pat going back and forth today about uh, I hope you read it because it was all like old school EU uh, Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. today like people kill for that stuff I would love to read about that stuff from you know from this area of the continent and maybe this is what it's all setting it up for we can hope we can mm. hope. Right. Um, what, what else you got here Let's see. I, I think I pulled this out of the Great Empire of the Dawn episode from History of Westeros 2. I went and read and watched a bunch of things. But uh, in any place, it's probably been pointed out in a few places. The the different legends of Azor Ahai. Yeah. And how they all have different names and everything. Yep. Yep. And uh, it's fascinating to try to trace the um, the names back to where they could have come from. So... You got Hirkun the hero. That's obvious where that one comes from, the patrimony yep. of Hirkun. You've yep. got Azora High, which sounds a lot like a shy, and the um, 
the legend originally comes from scrolls that were, are stored that reside in a shy. So it Azor also Ahai, sounds like Ashai. it also sounds like the Sarnor uh, names. Uh, right, they bring that this up. Right, book did come from the Great Empire of the Dawn too. They had uh, which Uzor I don't remember Amai them. and mm -hmm. a couple other names that sound very similar. Right. Yeah. You've got Yintar, which sounds a lot like E.T. You've got Nefarion, which is Nefer. Um, Eldric Shadow Chaser is an interesting one. That's <laughs> kind of a wild card in there. Yeah. But if you look at those different places on a map, they kind of form the borders of the Empire, right? Yes. And it just kind of shows that these don't have to be different legends or something. And we don't have to have which one is right and which one is wrong. But that all these nations of this former empire all have a common myth, but they have their own way of telling it. Yes. Right? Just common. Right. Absolutely. You think of the Roman Empire that stretched from, what, Asia to Spain or something like that. And you're going to have a lot of different types of people within yeah. one empire. They're not all the same. So we've all played the game of telephone and we know how it works, right? Like the, the <laughs> stories change in the telling and, um, you know, you, you misplace a few names or forget it and you plug in names that are familiar to you. And, and that's what lives on because it's more identifiable for your culture. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, not to mention over in Westeros too. Um, so, mm -hmm. We can talk more about the long night in the Ashai section, or no? We can talk about it wherever you want. Uh, yeah, I have I have some stuff about that. I mean, so the black stone I've kind of made light of it, right? That he's worshiping a rock, but you know, this black stone clearly is important. Mm -hmm. You know, they end up using it to make the five forts, and it's used in various places throughout the world. Um, they say that this guy, the the Bloodstone Emperor, was maybe the first prophet of the Church of Starry Wisdom, which is kind of a reviled church in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know what's kind of interesting about the Long Night. So we got this guy, the Bloodstone Emperor, and he's doing all this bad stuff, right? Uh, feasting on human flesh, casting down the true gods, all these things, um, and the Lion of Night comes down to like take care of it right and that's what caused the long night but the long night is generally considered to be a bad thing and the lion of night they've built these forts to try to keep him out supposedly but like it sounds like he was the force for good for correcting the badness the bloodstone emperor was bringing you know where i'm going with this do you like yeah, it's kind of like the flood event in the Bible, right? That he comes down to kind of cleanse everything and wipe it out, which sucks for the people that were there. But in the end, is it doing, is it doing good or is it doing bad? Yeah, I see. I see. That's an interesting comparison. Yeah, like the the Lion of Night is coming down to bring retribution on the people, kind of like the flood, right? Mm -hmm. For being bad, and. And yet the, the thing that he's done is so bad that it makes the Bloodstone Emperor look good, right? They right. like they, they need they need a hero to arise to drive back the guy that's supposed to be the good guy driving out the badness. You know what I mean? Yep, for sure. It's weird. It's a little weird. It, it is it is mind boggling to Let's... think about because we're so focused on Essos right now. 
that it took me until today when I was reading over my notes again to take a step back and look at the wide world again and remember that we've got the others over in Westeros. I was just going to do the same thing. Go for it. So again, we come to the question, did the others usher in the long night rather than the Bloodstone Emperor? Or did the Bloodstone Emperor usher in the long night? Or neither of them. Or ushered in the long night was the Bloodstone Emperor being a dick. And is there some parallel in Westeros that did the same thing? That did the same thing. Was there the, a blood the, the betrayal first or, or something? Well, we've we've talked about the fact that like maybe the first men have violated the contract with the children of the forest, right? And so that's maybe this kind of similar thing to what the Bloodstone Emperor is doing. Like the blood betrayal. Yeah, because it says right? the There's... blood. The legend is that the blood betrayal of the Bloodstone Emperor killing the Amethyst Empress is what kicked off the Long Night. Right. Right. And so did the did did you know did the first men do some similar betrayal? Right. On their end that coincided and they and and so the others are kind of well they're not a legend. We know they're real, but like they are the equivalent of the line of night coming from the Westeros side. Right. To 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 bring back to to again an entity of evil, the line of night and the others an entity of evil coming to punish and bring retribution to these people that broke their word, and yet a hero is going to arise for the side that was originally breaking the contract and making the betrayal, the good guys, because that's the perspective we're reading, right? Mm-hmm. To drive them back. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's theories that, that the children of the forest created the others, right? And yeah, yeah that I it was that. an experiment gone horribly wrong or something and there's just yeah, yeah there's a lot there to... is that is that a show thing is that a i don't know whether that's partially but Maybe. i think it was theorized before the show before that yeah 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 okay um anyway just very interesting stuff i mean i feel like the you know the lion of night coming to exact retribution on the Bloodstone Emperor, in parallel with what's happening in Westeros. Mm-hmm. Those themes are similar, and the fact that a hero needs to be created, or actually did exist, to fight them in two different places at the same time is right. weird. It's yeah. weird. Did they have, were there like, did this also happen in the Dothraki Sea somewhere? With the Ifik Hevron and the, the children of the forest there that were rebelling, and some hero joined, like, Maybe the, the the Sarnor version, right? It was there exactly. too, fighting the, back, and like did these little pop up events happen all over the place, and with yeah. the fifty other continents that we can't see. Yeah, Sothorios have something. Did Olthos yeah. have something? Because right. it seems like it, it seems like the White Waste seems to be ground zero for others. Um, yeah. You know, especially if these dragon ice dragons are true, you've got them clear over on the Essos side. But then it seems like in Essos, a place like the Shadowlands appears to be kind of ground zero for the Long Night. So, yeah, is there one pinpointed location where the Long Night began and that everything stems from? Would others stretch into Essos, or is that even a problem? Or are they exclusively on the Westeros side? Like, it's it's just weird to to try to correlate the Long Night to the others for me now. Yeah, me too. Me too. They and feel like they feel like a, a cadre of soldiers 
meant to exact retribution rather than the response to a problem. Right. It feels like a coordinated event among multiple locations. That's kind of what I'm getting at, yeah. Rather than, it was so easy when this was all just Westeros. Dang you, George, in your world of ice and fire. It was so easy to just be like, the long night occurred when the others came. Right? Yeah. Uh, Do you you know what nobody ever talks about, Matt? Ulthos. Yeah. I'm looking at the bottom right corner of my The Known World map, and I don't really want to talk about it. I'm just, just to, to illustrate your point, like this world is way more complex than we're making it and we're never going to get any of this information yeah. but yeah. was there an event on ulthos and i believe never even read about i believe there's a so spake martin or something like that where he base maybe it's elio who just they just admit that they just like put ulthos there to like show <laughs> that there was land there but that's it but why that in itself begs an interesting question why did there have to be land there so elio? he can build something more Right. So that they could have the Saffron Straits. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, you have much more on this Yeeti set? We, I feel like oh we barely gosh. talked about Yeeti itself, but uh, got anything else? Well, just the, the fact that they had these wonderful roads and the five forts, it shows how technologically advanced they were. Hints of this huge, large civilization. Yeah. Um, and and Danny comes from that, right? So it feels almost like a long there's, time ago. Don't let me start on blood. There's more. <laughs> there's more. There's more to potentially to Danny than just Valyrian history. That it could go back even further, and that goes back to that thing that she keeps hearing that to go west you must go east, right? You got to go the opposite direction. Yeah. And does it mean Danny's going to go to UT? No, probably not. But it just further fleshes that that idea out that maybe the answers lie further east than she thinks. So I think that's all I got. More questions than answers, that's for sure. More questions than answers, definitely. Uh, I will say again, the long night roughly 8,000 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Just throwing it back to the last section. If you believe in the genetic mutation stuff chicken scratch compared to how long this world's been around nothing yep right yep when you step back and look at it all if you believe that and i'm you know i'm not sure it's proven or whatever but all right should we move on man it feels like we've been going forever and we're like whew. okay yeah (laughs) two sections left three sections left three sections left still oh my god i thought this was gonna be a short episode i was wrong lang will go fast uh well maybe not no all right jogos okay jogos nigh dothraki calls make endless war on one another once beyond the sacred precincts of veis dothrak their holy city but the gods of the jogos nigh forbid them to shed the blood of their own people that's right north of yt the rolling plains and windswept hills are ruled by a race of nomadic mounted warriors called the jogos nigh wait nomadic mounted that's not the Dothraki? Eyes, eyes in the name? What? Well, they're not quite the Dothraki. First of all, the Jogos and I look very different. They're shorter, they're squat, they shave their heads mostly bald, and they have these pointed skulls that come as a result of binding their babies' heads. Um, 
Like one Vargo Hote, not of the Jogos Nye, though, the Jogos Nye's mounts are Zorses, known for their hardiness and being able to live off the meager sustenance offered in many parts of the Jogos Nye territory. The Jogos Nye, rather than riding in large calisars like the Dothraki, stick to smaller clans, each commanded by a Jot, who's like a war chief, and a Moonsinger, who is generally like a priestess, a healer, or a judge, who pretty much does everything except battle. Um, and while the Jogos Nye have a strict rule to not battle against each other, which is again unlike the Dothraki, they are known to live in a state of pretty much perpetual war against their neighbors. Uh, the neighboring land of the Nagai seems to be the most frequent target, and it's been all pretty much wiped out. Um, uh, but outposts like Kayakayanaya, Kayakayana, have been. Kayakayanaya. Like part, part of the way I remember this is Kaya, from the Kaya, movie Naya. Willow. Kaya, Kaya, Kaya. Yana. Kaya, Kaya, Naya. Uh, they've been attacked on numerous occasions, all repelled. They've never been able, the, the Jogos Nai have never been able to fully take those kind of three remaining fortresses of the patrimony of Hercun. And um, they've even ventured into Yi-T on a number of occasions. On one particular occasion, Lo Bu, the last of the Scarlet Emperors in Yi-T, struck back against the Jogos Nai with an army 300,000 strong. He invaded the lands of the Jogos Nai with uh, naught but slaughter on the mind. And it is said that their genocide reached one million Jogos Nai before uh, the Yi-T were finally repelled. This happened when the Jogos Nai uncharacteristically joined forces, all their little clans joined forces under the rule of a female Jatar named Zay, who destroyed Lobu's armies, killed him, and turned his skull into a golden cup that Jatar still drink from today. Awesome. The prophecies of their moon singers tell of comprehensive eternal conquest for the Jogos Nai, and they haven't given up the idea uh, of doing that yet. So that's what these nomadic riders have on their mind. I kind of like these guys. They're kind of cool, right? I started off not liking them. I'm like, okay, so I was pretty apathetic. They're basically like Dothraki light, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're completely unnecessary. But then mm -hmm. I kept reading them, like, okay, they got families instead of Kalasars. That's kind of cool. Like, they're insular units, you know? I like that. Right. I'm not a big fan of the binding heads or whatever, but they got the husband-stealing thing, kind of like the free folk. Right, yep. They fight giants, you know? I'm kind of starting to like them a little bit. Yeah, I noticed a lot of... I don't think this... This can't mean much. But I noticed a lot of wildling similarities. Yeah. They ride strange beasts, right? A lot of times you see the yeah. Mance Raiders forces are riding these crazy animals and stuff. They're nomadic. Mm -hmm. They travel in small bands. Yep. Uh, you've, like you said, the women abducting husbands. Um, they giant refuse to kneel this. to like a, a greater power. They re right? the refusal to kneel the stubbornness. Yeah. Um. You've got rival clans joining together to defeat the Yeetish enemy. This reminds me of Mance Raider finally being able to unite him. A little bit. But there's, unite the clans. It was, unite us. Unite us. It was interesting. It's, it's a little Braveheart. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. It's like, huh, wonder what that yeah. could mean. Jogos Nye? Wildlings? What? Who? 
yeah, there there are some parallels there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, a completely different. You know, they're living in like a desert wasteland, but but other than that, like you know, a lot of a lot of similarities in kind of the way yeah. they do things. Uh, here's my parallel, just to or here's my uh, tinfoil, just to wrap this up Ooh, on this one. Cool. So this uh, warrior leader who united them, her name was Zay. Jay. Yeah. Or Jay, yeah. It's a it's a Z H. It's a Z H. So I like Jay. I like Jay. That sounds right. Jay, and uh, they they mentioned some of her um, nicknames. Her nickname, one of the nicknames is Jay Zorseface, <laughs> an Aria Horseface. Horseface. So taking into account um, what we just been saying about uh, this, here is your Matt crazy unsubstantiated tinfoil for the day. Arya Stark will lead the wildlings to a major victory in the north. And they will call her Jarya? Yep. Jarya Zorsface. Arja? Arjia? Yep. That's it. Okay. Yep. Oh, man. Don't let me start on Arya. I want to talk about Arya now. It's been so long, Matt. I've been reading. we can talk about Arya. I'm about, uh, let's see. Five or six chapters into Game of Thrones again. You cheater! To read it. Yeah. What? Hey, we never made a rule. We couldn't read these books again. No, but I feel. You're right, but I feel a little betrayed. Why? I don't know. I I want to do a reread. We'll start. Oh. Okay. You'll, you'll probably read faster than me. I don't. I have like. I don't read very often. So. <laughs> I have like five other books I want to read. Read okay. those ones. I don't have anything else I want to read right now. Ugh. <sighs> It's been fun though, buddy. Uh, are you loving it? I'm really liking it. Oh, fuck. Okay, maybe. <laughs> mm. It's just simpler times, man. Honestly, Game of Thrones was so good. Uh, I do. Do you think the the patrimony of Harkoon is a little weird? Um, they didn't Here's strike what I mean. me as super weird. Well, the question the question sucked. Let me be more direct. Um, that was a leading question. Huh? Go ahead, Scott. Tell me what you mean. <laughs> what I mean is they have three cities, right? That are linked to these roads and they have huge forts and they feel like they need to protect on both sides, the East and the West from both the Jogos and I and from, I guess, raiders from the mountains. But like, why are people raiding them? Because if you look at the map, there's nothing there. Right after these cities is the huge Great Sand Sea. There's nothing there. Like, why is anyone coming to attack these people? That's what I mean about Hirkun being weird. Mm-hmm. Why would anyone want to be there? Uh, because what it is now is, um, is now it's the Great Sand Sea. But if I remember right from the history, is that this is what's left of the patrimony of Hirkun. That it was once much bigger and that the Great San Sea was once like a, it was once like a, a big lake or something, and it was more f- fertile and everything. Right. I'm talking about now, though. Right. Like, why are, why do the wars continue now? Like, just out of habit? Is it just like, pride yeah, at this point? Listen, We've son, always protected. We attack so Kai, Kai and I every 15 years at least, and that will continue. Why? Right. Because we do. Yeah, it's a Hatfield okay. and McCoy's thing at this point that they've always fought him, right? Uh, maybe the Jogos Nai have always attacked the Hirkun. It talks about uh, it was the Hirkun that used to sacrifice Jogos Nai to the yes to the gods and stuff. 
Yeah. So I think it's just one of those things that, like you said, it's just so ingrained in them that they just do it. But yeah, are there raiders coming through the bones and from and the what? west? Like, and why would you attacking? Like, what are you gonna raid? It like, seems like that's no longer a thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll. Yeah, I agree with you there. So it's just a little weird. Mm-hmm. No, good point. I'm with you there. And nobody wins with the the battles between the Jovis Nine and the UT. They just, just fight to fight. They just fight and fight and fight and it's fight. It's like uh, forever. it's like the Lost Boys and Captain Hook on Hook. They just mm. fight on Hook. Also called Peter Pan, Matt. Well, I just watched <laughs> Hook with the kids the other day, so it's on my mind. Mm, that's a good one. Let's have yes. a war. Run home, Jack. <laughs> Shall we move on to Lang? Well, I just wanted to... Oh, you got something else. I just looked something up. Wondered how great zebras would be as mounts. Turns out they're not. (laughs) Why? Uh, Basically, they're mean cusses. Yeah. They... Yeah, two-spirited. They kick, they bite. Um, Well, it's basically... It's just like in their genetic makeup to be tightly wound. Because... They live, I mean, think about this, how crappy this would be. They live their whole life being hunted all the time, basically. Yeah. They got to keep their head on a swivel. Right. So they are very tightly wound. And uh, I was reading something about how zookeepers, I mean, that's like their least, some zookeepers, it's their least favorite thing to to take care of at the zoo, least favorite animal or the zebras because... They're they're ruthless. They're the type that they don't just kick out of control. Like they say that they look behind and they aim and they kick, and that one of their kicks can break a, they can shatter a lion's jaw, right? And you gotta when, make a lot of noise when you're coming up behind them. Make it very clear like that you're here. And I'm here. Rest, right? Yep. And then when they bite, they don't let go until like you're done for. So zebras are mean cusses. Uh, okay that's all i have i'm to glad say i'm glad to know that right it, it it makes it it makes the the racing scene in swiss family robinson uh have a whole new meaning. it really does doesn't it does it kind of destroy it for you roberta the the zebra i think if if i remember right would never have won that race nope that's and no I one wins the race spoilers for sweet uh swiss family robinson because pirates show up it's so, it's only been out for how long has that movie been out? Seventy years, something. Yeah. And I probably haven't seen it for fifty. <laughs> I'm forty years old. <laughs> Lang, Lang. There are queer ruins in the depths of the island's jungle. Massive buildings, long fallen and so overgrown that rubble remains above the surface. But underground, we are told, endless labyrinths of tunnels lead to vast chambers and carved. Nope. Carved shapes? Nope. Carved steps to send hundreds of feet into the earth. Wow, who typed this? That was me. It was late. It was. It probably was. Mm-hmm. Let's get tropical, yo. We're going to talk about Lang. This is a land of jungles and monkeys and tigers and fallen cities hidden by jungle overgrowth. And I like to think mist. Because why not? Indiana Jones and shit. Raider mm-hmm. Lost Ark opening. This is what I think of when I think of Lang. Lang this, sounds this super a- cool. The, the Raiders of the Lost Ark opening Love scene. It. Mm-hmm. There's two kind of peeps that live on Yang. Uh, uh, Lang. Some of those people are immigrants, if you can still call them that after living there for thousands of years. 
they came from UT, uh, of which they were, uh, of which Lang was a part of for for a time, right across the Jade Sea. It's not a very far trip if you look at the map. Again, Sakantus Mapas, Lang is not very far away. You know, from maybe a hundred miles or something mm -hmm. from UT, not not very far. Um, so not not a huge journey to get there, um, but. Uh, the soldiers and adventurers basically flooded the island looking for their fortune, uh, and though Lang is separate from the Golden Empire as of 400 years ago when they separated, the people still remain. They didn't just leave. Uh, these people look just like anyone else from Yiti. They speak basically the same language, and they keep all the same customs. The only real difference is that they worship their own god empress uh, from their two primary towns of Lengyi and Lengma in the north, and the third city, Turani, in the south. Mm -hmm. On the southern end of the island, though, is where the interesting people live. The Yitish are fine, mm. but the Lengi, the indigenous people of Leng, are tall, real tall, maybe the tallest people in Planetos, some as tall as eight feet. Very slender, with large golden eyes that see better than other men do. They are the color of oiled teak, not the eyes of the people, George says. It's oddly specific to me. I, I don't really know how to describe... For the color of oiled teak, You're just gonna have to Google it. <laughs> but uh, I don't you know, even know so what very, teak very is. Interesting looking people for sure. Go ahead. I said I don't even know what teak is. Well, oiled it's like teak. it's like a wood. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Lengi I taught don't... you about zebras. You taught me about teak. <laughs> <laughs> and by taught you, you mean I said it's like wood. That's 100% more than what I knew before you said that. So. <laughs> the Lengi, they don't really leave their shores. They're not a seafaring people. And those that do show up on the shows are shown a quick exit. Uh, they want to be left alone. They make it pretty clear. They don't, want, they don't welcome new customs or go goods or gods or anything. They don't want anybody taking stuff from their land. People got the point for centuries, for a long time. Uh, people got the point that, like, you should just leave Lang alone. But the Golden Empire eventually knocked that door down with trade. Uh, it took a long time for them to be accepted, at least four times after the Yitish kind of invaded uh, Lang. The God Empress had the traders and sailors and soldiers murdered. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, the old ones, their gods, the old ones told her to do it. There's like, hey, get rid of them. So she keeps Congress of Old Ones. Gods that live deep below all those ruined cities we were talking about. Kind of creepy. Eventually, though, Jarhar, one of the Yitish emperors, conquered the island and stopped all these murders. Uh, after their, uh, after leaving the empire, though, uh, Ling's doing good. Um, they've absorbed the Yitish inhabitants that, that came over um, into their culture, and their ruling class... Uh, is interesting because their god empress takes two husbands, one Lengi and one Yitish. Kind of as a show of solidarity, I guess. Right, yeah. Lastly, and really these are just footnotes on the section, uh, one of those little side boxes that exist, but uh, there's a couple other islands kind of laying around. The Island of Elephants, which must have elephants because their temple is built of ivory. Uh, Maharai, which is a lush island in the form of a crescent. Mm. It encircles two tiny volcanic islands. And lastly, the Isle of Whips, and no people live there. It's just like barter town for slave traders. You just like come there and buy and sell slaves. It's a little weird. Jeez. And the maps indicate a few others uh, that you can see if you, if you look at them. But um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what we got the Isle of uh, Manticore Isles. Um, there's stuff in the Cinnamon Straits and stuff around there too, but uh, we don't really get much information about them. Nope. So that's it. That's the section. That is the section. So these Langi, they must be uh, killer warriors. To fend off anybody coming in? Right. Because with their physique and everything, seven to eight feet tall. Yeah. You would think that this is this would be a slaver's dream, guys, like, right? Especially like for the fighting pits and stuff. Yeah. You'd want these guys in your fighting pits. And yeah, uh, you'd so they're think able so. I, well, yeah. So they're able to fight off they're able to ward off invaders and, and this is a pretty small I mean it's a big island. It's a big island. Yeah. But um they wouldn't be able to house like thousands and thousands of soldiers. No. So the ones that they have must be pretty darn good. Or do people or or are they just kind of left alone now? I mean, we don't really know a lot. It it, seem, it seems like people kind of leave them alone uh, or mm-hmm. did for a long time. And now, you know, there's Yitish there too kind of defending the towns and stuff, so more proactive. I kind of got the sense it was more like um well, <laughs> Have you you've, have you read like articles semi recently about North Sentinel Island? Uh, no. Do you know what North North Sentinel Island is an island, uh, southeast of India, and they're completely isolated from the world. They don't have oh, technology yeah, yeah. of any kind. These guys, yeah, totally, yeah. They they don't let people come in, and right. and basically India as a nation has passed laws that are like, dude, no one's going there. Right, leave them alone. They don't have prevention against disease right if anyone goes there and coughs on them they'll all die and it's the extinction of a group of people right Mm -hmm. yes um so i get i get kind of that same sense except north central island is way way more uh out out of the way than this is i mean this isn't this is very central to be honest i mean it's basically encapsulated by a shy and Uh an et kind of circling around it right kind of hard to miss so it's a little weird that you know that they're able to maintain that level of of uh independence so yeah i think maybe i guess i'm coming around to the fact that yeah they're probably pretty good at defending themselves right and maybe maybe it's some of that dornish oh we see people show up and we run and hide in the jungle and they don't find us and if they camp out then we raid them and drive them off kind of thing our seven foot tall warriors just stomp on them yeah. I mean, seven feet tall is, it's good. It can be bad. I mean, you saw Sean Bradley play in the NBA, right? Right. I mean, like, they don't move good sometimes. Mm-hmm. It depends, right? But there are advantages and disadvantages to being that tall, depending on what your physique is really. I mean, yep. Shaq, if they all look like Shaq, guess what? They're in good shape. Yep. If they look like Sean Bradley, then they're in trouble. <laughs> uh, and as fighters, I mean. Yeah, and the pick the World of Ice and Fire only shows it. It shows this langy, uh, langy lady. Woman. Yeah. yeah, she looks great. She's hot. Yeah. Yeah, she looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see like a langy sellsword company or something. It would be very cool. Maybe but, we'll get that. The, but they don't like to leave. Fire. They don't like to leave. Yeah, that's um, true. Lang is one of those that I've totally forgot I did this. 
And that's okay. It's not that important. I had put together like some bullet points of where all these places show up in the main series mm. where they're talked about. And uh, Lang was like, not at all. Never. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. it very much is like just this isolated thing. Right. Yeah. The only thing I could find about on Lang that was out, it wasn't even in the main series, it was in Fire and Blood, that Daemon gave Rhaenyra a tiara originally reported to have belonged to the Empress of Lang. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's it. And Corliss Valerian, Ma- Cor- Corliss Valerian made it there, too. That's it. He, uh, Daemon gave it to Rhaenyra? Is that yes. What mm-hmm. oh, nice. Oh, Rhaenyra, what could have been? Uh... I mean, the Yitish, they're callers. They stuck around. Not too much interesting there. The the Yitish, the, like, frankly, like, of the cultures in the world, they inspire me the least. How come? I don't know. The Great Empire of the Dawn is interesting, but as soon as the Long Night happened and they were just, like, regular people and stuff right. and fractured, it just, they don't seem interesting to me. <laughs> no, I get, I get that. Totally. It just, they're kind of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you got any interest in the deep one or the, the old ones? Not really. Um, it seems like they drive people a little crazy. Yeah. It's a little weird. Uh, those that went looking for the ruins came back crazy. A result of the old ones. Now it's forbidden to go looking at all for those, those hidden cities. Underground, uh, right? Subterranean. Yeah. Underground. It wouldn't stop any of Jones, of course, but, nope. um, old ones yeah i mean it reminds me of the old lacrosse between the old gods and and the deep ones um the old ones yeah especially with the old gods at least in modern westeros kind of having a bit of a sinister reputation whether that's deserved or not a little bit yeah yeah a little bit and the deep ones too Uh uh-huh Big time. Have a bit of a sinister reputation, right? Yeah, for about sure. That already with Thousand Islands and maybe what they've done to that populace, mm-hmm. if they exist. I, I kind of tend to think the Deep Ones are completely made up. <laughs> I don't know what you think. That's I, again more more Lovecraft. Right. I don't have a super strong opinion on the Deep Ones yet. Yeah. It's one of those threads, like you know, something. Everyone's different. Everyone identifies with different things. Some people probably latch onto the deep ones and are like, yeah, totally right. real. And they to do. To me, it's one yeah. of those threads that I just throw away. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not that interesting to me yet. But uh, yeah, but I latch onto things that other people are like, high towers, really? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, a little bit interesting with Lang, they they, they take the, the Yitish in, right? By marriage, kind of like the Andals did. Or sorry, like the first men did with the Andals or the gardeners. Uh-huh specifically taking the animals in by marriage so that they didn't have conflict they just kind of brought the culture in right kind of embraced it instead of fighting it yeah it seems like they didn't at first but yeah yeah it's kind of one of those things that's like well you're here you're not going anywhere yeah i guess we might as well get along yeah it's interesting too that she so she takes two husbands right one mm-hmm. mutation one langi one has charge of the armies and the other has charge of the fleets. And it's already noted in the chapter that they aren't a seafaring people. So that second guy must be pretty bored. <laughs> he's got a he's got a cake job. He's, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you will take charge of our one boat. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that they definitely want to call pres- you Gilligan. Preserve relations with Yt and everything, and that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to a shy where the shadows lie? Let's talk about a shy where the shadows lie, because it's going to get nuts. Nah, it's this is the shortest nuts. quote we will probably ever have, mm. and the most impactful. And there are no children in a shy. Holy crap. Well, it's the end of the world as we know it. It is. You know I couldn't pass up that opportunity. You know I couldn't pass up that opportunity. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much go as far east and as almost as far south as you can on the map, and there you'll find a shy by the shadow. Where did it come from? No one seems to know. Saying only that the city has stood there since the world began and will still be there when it ends. It is said that the city is built of entirely black stone that seems to drink light. Even the yeah. brightest summer days That's are so gloomy and shy. You called it pretty? I just think it's pretty imagery. The imagery of the it? Yeah. It's a wonderful turn of phrase. Yeah. 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 Uh, large enough to fit... This is a big city, dude. Large yeah. enough to fit Volantis, Carth, King's Landing, and Old Town within its borders. Ashai is big. But with a small town population, there are no crowds, no bustling market, not even children or beasts, as Skad's quote said. As forbidding a place as it is, it may be difficult to believe, though, that it actually remains an important port that relies heavily on imports, especially food. As nothing besides ghost grass grows in its proximity. The very water in Ashai is tainted. You can't drink it. Uh, so they need to import basically everything. Fortunately for them, gold and gems seem to be in no short supply in Ashai, which is why traders are probably still willing to even go there. Um, but it is rumored that the golden gems of Ashai are tainted as well. Hmm, whatever that means. What does that even mean? I have no idea. Uh, the city is as steeped in sorcery as it is in mystery. Warlocks, wizards, alchemists, moonsingers, red priests, necromancers, blood mages, torturers, nightwalkers, shape changers, worshippers of the black goat. The worshiper of the pale child, worshippers of the lion of the night. That's not even all the stuff they mentioned in there. Those are just the ones I picked out. Um, not to mention the famed Lacour masked shadow binders. We haven't seen one of those, have we? All are just free one. in Ashai to practice spells. They can practice their, they can perform their rites. They can basically do whatever they want in Ashai without censure. North of Ashai lies what the author calls the heart of darkness following you can follow the uh, ash river north and as you go further north you'll find increasingly more scary stuff demons dragons and other twisted creatures until at last one stands before the doors of the stigai the corpse city at the shadow's heart where even the shadow binders fear to tread and that's where Maester Yandel basically says, that's all we know. If there's more out there, we don't know it yet. But uh, Ashai, what a place, right? 
What was it, Scad? I mean, right. Uh, I'm. What was it? Um, I mean, yeah. Question of the hour, I guess. Um, you don't. You don't build a city ten times bigger than you need it to be. Uh, unless, I guess, you're the organizer of Fire Festival. <laughs> Um, if you're not filling it with people, right? Yeah. So, so it, what it what it means, and again, just this whole section. I, I, I this is gonna sound very lazy, but I really listen to the Great Empire of the Dawn. A lot of the things that I talk about here are gonna be in direct reference to that mm-hmm. episode from sure. History of Westeros and LML. A great episode. I have so much respect for those guys and and what they delivered on this content. It's. I, you know, I'll gush forever, but a lot of what I say in, in <laughs> rather than like bringing it up every time, a lot of what I'm going to say it comes from that episode here. But, um, you know, this used this used to be a real city. Had to be a big friggin' city too, but a real one, like a legitimate city yep. where children played and there were people and you know hawking their wares and living regular lives. And why not? If apparently it was rich in resources, yes. gems and stuff, and it's right. obviously strategically positioned as as a port city, yeah, it seems like a great place to to have a big bustling city. Yeah, yeah, it feels it feels like um, well, again, greater part of the dawn episode, LML mentions uh, the color out of space, which actually I looked into. There's a movie coming out. Um, it might be even out now, starring Nicolas Cage. It's it's actually by a production company that Elijah Wood runs. Um, but uh, there's a movie Did about you it. Just Color say Nicolas Cage. What's that? Nicolas Cage. He's coming back. Yeah, it's by the same people that did Mandy, which I didn't. Mandy, is that what it was? The one last year Mandy. that he got kind of like hype about oh, the horror film. I must have completely missed that one. Oh yeah, he got some some kind of hype for this horror film that he did last year. Anyway, hmm. the same a lot of the same kind of people involved i guess anyway um in in that story this is lovecraft um a meteorite strikes in the area of massachusetts and bleeds the land of its color and corrupts the plants and animals that live there Mm. and lml specifically thinks that the maybe the there the black stone is doing something similar to this area that it's corrupting the land right and it's kind of leeching it of its value Mm-hmm. And that would have hap- to have happened a long time ago, um, you know, maybe the long night, I guess. The long or, night. Or, or right before. Yep. Um, but uh, that's kind of the idea, is that this used to be a prosperous place, and now it's um, not, but still valuable to some. Um, you know, I mean, listen, th- these are the types of places people leave. You don't stay somewhere where you can't drink the water. And you can't grow food. Like, you don't stay there unless there's something of, of immense value to you there, right? Right. So there's there's something there. You know, they talk about how everyone's able to practice whatever religion and magic and rites and sacrifices they want to do there. So it's very open to that. It's kind of attracting some dark people, if you ask me. But there's something there that's attracting people to stay there. And maybe something that keeps them there, the people get addicted to the place, or they feel like they can't leave, or right. I don't know. 
uh, this whole section is is crowned by the statement i don't know yeah we know that there's a lot of knowledge in a shy right whether for good or evil we've heard that and but what would be there why would there be they talked about you know the that that's where the legend of Azora High was found, and mm-hmm. you know, Aegon sends people to look there because he 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 heard that there's information about dragons there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, what are people learning there, and 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 why do you have to go clear there, and what kind of people are there that you can learn from? I'm thinking of Miri Mazdur and, and stuff like that. Um. Why do you think there are no children, Matt? Because he, he makes a point of it. It's if you weren't looking at the text, mm-hmm. it's like a long paragraph, and then one sentence, one and there sentence are no children paragraph. in a shy, and then another long paragraph. Like it's it's very deliberately pulled out of the text to be its own paragraph, and then it to, moves on for effect. Mm-hmm. What do you think of it? You got anything? Well, it's not a family location. No. Oh. But 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 that, anywhere there are people, the, there's there is children. sex, mm-hmm. and anywhere there is sex, there are children. So are those children? Do they die? Do they die? Are they sacrificed? Don't know. Maybe I I feel like maybe <laughs> that they're. I think it's meant to be a metaphor or a symbol, right? There are no children in a shy because the whole area is corrupted. Children mm-hmm. are a symbol of innocence. Of innocence, and yeah. Wonder and possibility and growth and the future. And this is meant to be a place of none of that. Yep. And so it's almost meant to just be a symbol. But like, mm-hmm. there are no children. There's no growth. There's no hope. There's no tomorrow here. Right. This is a place where people go as a means to an end. Mm-hmm. There's no life here. And you can gain knowledge or practice abilities or something. Yeah. But will it be worth it in the end? Like, what are you going to lose to get what you want? Yeah, yeah. there's a sense of foreboding. Animals, too, won't live, right? So it, the kind of same idea, like... Maybe the mind of a child and the mind, the simple minds of animals are too, they're too easily corrupted and corroded. Mm-hmm. Whereas like adults are jaded and they have their own corrupted hearts, at least the ones that come here and so they can survive the, the corrosive influence of this city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It takes a lot. Yeah. It takes a, conscious kind of effort only an adult has the ability to do to like fend it off yeah maybe mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah we've got mary mazdur who went there marwin Marwin's been there who's been right? there mary mazdur claims she met marwin there yep and melisandra and, uh, yeah melisandra's been there euron's reported to have traveled there mm-hmm we had uh, which one was it that the uh, it wasn't Corliss it was Adam was it that saw the ship or was it Corliss it actually was Corliss and that was an inconsistency that's in the in this book it, it says in the world of ice and fire that even Corliss Valerion 
never went to a shy. But in Fire and Blood, it says that he swears he saw the Sun Chaser at port in a shy. He saw it at port, but maybe he never docked. So, so never that's what I was thinking is maybe it's he was like, like a technicality. It was like a flyby. Yeah, yeah. Plus the tower. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the way to explain it away. But, hmm. but it does say um, in the text that men of the shadow tamed dragons first. Yeah. So I wonder if it's possible that that land that's the Shadowlands wasn't so shadowy before the long night or whatever. And this was actually like a buzzing, very yeah. desirable place to be where teeming with life. And mm-hmm. and then, I, I don't know, maybe that all that magic in that one place that when the long night came, it really just turned it on its head. Yeah. And now is experiencing all that it. fallout. Yeah. So what? So so what do you think Stagai is then? The corpse city, right, up the river. I wonder. A I great wonder... illustration, by the way, on the last page of the. Yeah. Of the book, which just makes it. It almost looks like a super creepy. Like a really really creepy Tatooine. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of that. So does the river flow from the Jade Sea up into Stagai, or is it the other way around? Other way around. That river, the Ash River, flows through the mountains of the Morn in various places and picks up a few tributaries in Stagai and then flows down through the mountains to the Jade Sea. Oh, yeah, so it seems like Stagai, what's coming out of Stagai is what continues to pollute Ashai. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I think, too. And that's what's yeah. killed killed the grass around it and all of that. I think Stagai is where the rot is. Right. That, that whatever is causing the problem is is rooted there. Starting there in the Shadowlands and Stagai particularly yeah. and is flowing down and it's that's what's tainting. If my D and D party were in this land, I would leave heavy hints that there's a corrupting influence that needs to be rooted out up in the mountains somewhere mm-hmm. in Stagai. Yep. Yep. And they would have to find some stone they have to cast greater restoration on or something <laughs> way over my head yeah it's okay mm-hmm. that's all right so yeah. like one percent of our audience got it <laughs> it's you i'm trying to reach one percent <sighs> yeah so is a shy just meant it sounds like we're not going there in the main series no so is it just meant to be kind of this repository of knowledge? It's what people learn from there that becomes important via Melisandre th- or Marwyn or whoever? Yeah, it feels like, like you said earlier, it has, there's knowledge there to be, to be found and unearthed and leveraged. It also might serve kind of like we talked about earlier with Chloe um, as a warning of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this is what can happen in a world like this. If we're not careful, Hardhome will be a shy, or King's Landing will be a shy, or, or oh, something. That's true. Yeah, that, that these events can happen and destroy previous centers of industry because that uh, clearly a shy was. You know, it was a big, populous. You know center of shipping and industry probably right so right yeah 
and, it, and it's been just destroyed yep. and wrecked and Westeros could become that. I, I think it, maybe it's meant to serve as a warning and also, yeah, as a mysterious place where you can get information. I like it. I like it. Again, somewhat influenced by, you know, the Grand Empire of the Dawn episode and the Ashai episode that I listened to today. Definitely check it out. I haven't listened to the Ashai episode. It's pretty good. I listened it's to Great Empire good. of the Dawn. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. Um, you got anything else? No. Oh, I got one more thing. A little okay. bit. And it feeds it feeds into uh a little bit into one of our one of our theories. Um no, wait, I got two more things. The first one is less less important. So no, I got th- three more things. Holy crap. And they're all important. Sorry. So the first <laughs> one is just uh the the quote has stood there since the world began and will stand there until it end, stand here until it ends. It feels almost like winter is coming, like a like a a forecasty phrase that just everyone that lives there or comes there learns and is taught, and repeats to strangers yeah. regularly. Is like a, yep, this is the way it is. This is how you know, it's gonna like, be. This is the this is the way it is. Oh, I wonder though if that could be kind of like the, the the representation that Ashai is of a place of learning and stuff though too. Like, you know, maybe the city will be destroyed someday, but the things that people learn here, that's oh, going to continue, man. Knowledge. Yeah, yeah. You can never destroy us because we will rise up in the brain cells of thousands of others that have. Learned our secrets. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I like it. I like it, Matt. Uh, so, Danny is told that she needs to go east, um, specifically to Ashai. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually a little bit dicier than that. Uh, it says to go under the shadow, and she says Ashai. Right. What will, what will I find there? And Koith says truth. Mm-hmm. What what will I find in a shy that I won't find in Karth? I think is the way she puts it. And Quaith says truth, which is interesting because it could. One of the things that I thought of, and this is an original thought, is that maybe Car maybe she's just trying to warn her about Karth. <laughs> like get out of. You're not going to find honesty there. Get out. Right, you'd find They're more truth in a shy. Yeah, you could find truth in a shy. You won't find it here. Get out. Uh-huh. But but probably it's meant to be more than that. That that there's something, some piece of information in a shy that can be helpful to her truth that that she needs for her lineage or her journey or something. Totally. And we don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to bring that up. Um, you know, this is a place where people come. It seems like to sell their soul to get the benefits of knowledge or secrets mm-hmm. that they can learn or use some real warlock shit right um and if danny were to go there she'd have to probably trade something to get what she's looking for but it, like like we already said george made it sound like we're not going there anyway so she's going to get that information some other way Ta-da. yeah just too bad yep. last one uh Aegon really wanted dragons and he heard that there were there was information about dragons, 
according to this, there have always been dragons up the ash in the in the mountains of the Morn. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was so important important to him, like why not? Why not send somebody out there? If according to our Aegon Nose theory that he knows that they need dragons to defeat the others in the battle for the New Long Night, why not like send somebody there to like try to get dragons? Like put in a major effort into it. Yeah, like a big effort. Like send, you know, you need Targaryens. All right, send some some of the kids. You know, send them over there to get dragons. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, get some eggs if you don't want to get dragons, and bring them back, and then we'll hatch them with our magic. Yeah, an all co- at all costs type of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need this. I mean, assuming Aegon knows is true, which you know we barely believe it, so maybe it isn't. But, um, you know, if he knows that they're needed to fight this war then put more effort into it anyway that's all yep love it you got anything else i don't think so yeah fun section it's a lot of speculation right still fun though yeah it's one of those where that no i'm gonna save it for my sign off but (laughs) okay all right well let's do it then good tease let's sign off let's do it well this is uh matt um and I had a lot of fun with this episode. I had a lot of fun thinking about it and learning about it. But um, this is Matt just signing off saying, you know what? Let us put aside such fancies and return to fact. <laughs> return to Game of Thrones, apparently six chapters in. <laughs> return to the facts of the fictionalized <laughs> stories that we're reading. <laughs> uh, uh, and my sign off is uh, it's a plug. Buy some Firecon, guys. Prices go up like yesterday, unless you're a patron and you got it on Friday and you still have a couple days to get it in. Mm-hmm. But you can still get five bucks off. Use our code, FINGERS, at checkout. So show up. Come have a conversation with me. I'd love to talk to you. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's all. It's a blast. Definitely. Good night, everybody. Oh, and uh, happy Song of Madness Eve, everybody. Oh, yeah. Happy Song of Madness Eve. Make sure to uh, hide your shoes because the demons of Song of Madness come and steal them. Right. Of course. I I don't know. I just made that up. Wow. And what you don't know, everybody, is that the demons are you. You are the demons. (laughs) And it will be you hiding your shoes so you don't have to go to work so you can stay in and focus on the (laughs) matchups. Misery, pain, woe. The madness reigns. All right, everybody. Good night. Uh, Do do we want to... I guess we can talk business after. Yeah, Matt? Sure. Like timing for Song of Madness and everything? Well, we could could clue Chloe in on this. We wanted to do... Oh, I'm sure she wouldn't be interested. Insider trading (laughs) info. What? We were thinking March 7th, right? It? I think it's the third, actually. The third, okay. The third. Okay. Yeah. Chloe and zip. Shit, yeah. I know nothing. <laughs> zip it, zip it, lock it up. I have such valuable yeah. information, yeah. and I can say nothing. Yeah, it's the uh, day it's the fandom like descends into hell. March. Information 30, people are, are really dying. It holds. It's all in my hands too. Oh, it's in wow. my hands. That's a Metallica <laughs> song. You guys probably don't know. Uh. I do actually. If if I can, oh, do you? All right. Yeah. If I if we start on the third, I can do either sixty four or ninety six.
It just if if we do ninety six, I have to do four matchups a day for the first couple weeks. Right. How flexible of you! I thought you were talking positions with each other. I'm like sixty four. What's that? <laughs> position sixty four. It's, it's five. It's where than one 69. person is twelve to <laughs> just, six, and the other person wrote, is like four to eleven. You rotate five <laughs> to four, four, four to ten. Is what it would be, yeah. It's just five degrees less of rotation. It's actually harder to think about. You got to be really like okay. There's yeah. There's some dexterity involved, especially with the tongue. But good thing you guys are so flexible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. I think the only way you could really even do that is to, so it's like playing Uno, right? Like I love Uno's a great family game. And if you really want to slaughter at Uno, you get two decks, you put them together and you take out the number cards and you only keep half the number cards, right? Never done like that you take before. the number cards out from one hole, you have to. And you also have to stack draw twos on yeah, each other instead totally. of just stopping yeah. at one. You do draw mm-hmm. four, draw six, same with draw fours. You could really fuck yep. someone's life up. Anyways, I digress. No Bailey's idea what you guys are talking my household. Oh, yeah. I, we always do the draw two, draw four, draw six rule. It oh, thank is the God. best. And you're right. It <sighs> has caused uh, relationship-ending arguments. Yeah. So we are going to have to play it at Ice and FireCon. We are bringing Uno. That's going to happen. Sorry, <laughs> Matt, but... I mean, like, there's still... If you build it, they're still going to show yeah. the fuck up, you guys. So I think you should just do what you what your heart says. Listen to your want. heart. That's when not it's... like us. Yeah, we've never yeah, done what we <laughs> Take no. your fans into zero consideration is what I'm telling you. <laughs> just tell them to fuck right off. Yeah. I like the idea of keeping yeah. it lean and mean, Scott, but um, I see what you're saying about people wanting their characters represented. Well, like, All right. We got well, a couple just more quick, Just quickly, for instance... Miranda Royce is not on the list. Yeah. Nor should she be on a, in a 64 deep pool. But I yeah. love Miranda Royce. Yeah, so do yeah, I. Yeah, but... Who doesn't? You know? Everyone that is attracted to women does, okay? We know. But, like, <laughs> we all want to die with her on top of us, okay, Scott? God! We really do. <sighs> but, really do. I don't know. I think that... I think Matt makes a point there. It's, you know, she doesn't belong on a 64. If you're doing a ninth. You guys are 96ing. Actually, shit, she is on there. Hmm. Are you going to 96 with Miranda Royce? Oh, now the nethers are tingling. Uh, (laughs) All right. Am I on Davos fingers yet? (laughs) (sighs) Okay. All right. You mind if I take a bathroom break real quick? Sure. Finish up? All right. You say... I only hear what I want to. I don't listen hard. Don't pay attention to the distance that you're running to anyone, anywhere. I don't understand if you even care. I'm only hearing negative. Oh, 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 oh. You guys, that's like the best song in the world. You want to hear a verse from Bone Thugs? You know I'll be sending in crazy into the night and then when it ends, when it come again, again and again. Now tell me what you gonna do, cause somebody, anybody tell me why, hey. Cause somebody, anybody tell me why, we die, we die. I don't wanna die. Oh, so wrong, oh, wrong. That's all I want to say right now. All right, I'm back. Hey. I know a huge diversion, but like, I'm thinking about like having to write the matchups and I'm like, do I even remember these characters well enough to like <laughs> remember the threads to write the matchups? Hey man, I'm worried about if it. If you want me to help bit. you do some research, I'm happy to help. <laughs> I know you kind of like owning this matchup stuff and I love it, but well, I mostly know. just don't want to make you do it.
I mean, oh. it's fine. I do. I do like coming up anyway. If everyone's listening to this conversation, you don't need to hear this. Yeah, they might not hear it. <laughs> Good point. Let's edit that out. <laughs>